Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad to go on for the ride on a Monday installment of our program. Our Monday is always brought to you by our friends at The Best Bet, the best place, and I mean the best place to hang out, whether it's in St. Augustine, just past that location, Monument Road in Jacksonville or Orange Park. It is The Best Bet. Head to The Best Bet. Always proud to have them as our Wednesday sponsor. Gorgeous day at Sawgrass. My goodness, it's beautiful out here. Cool and windy, though, for those golfers, I would think. That's right. Early February, like Scott Schroeder said to us, the UNF men's golf coach last week, it's going to be breezy out here, and it certainly is. It's gorgeous. It's real sunny, though, and, you know, it's it's a little cold. But, yeah, uh, yeah looking forward to seeing how it affects the scoring. And uh, they were saying earlier that uh, – 30-mile-an-hour winds yeah, before it, today. Today yeah. is much nicer. They said yesterday was really cold. Really a battle yeah. yesterday. But it's, a, it's really one of the great amateur, one of the great college golf tournaments in the country. And they have so many teams out here. And we'll tell you kind of how it finished up in just a bit. Nick Gabrelchik, the UNF golfer, is one of the best golfers in, in America. And Vanderbilt apparently has a great player, too. So we'll certainly talk yeah, about – Gordon Sargent. And he's really he's leading good. the tournament right yeah. now. So we'll certainly talk about uh, uh, how the tournament's going, both the individually and the team – event we'll talk about that nick morrow will stop by the terrific ad at uh unf congrats to the ospreys they sweep ju uh big sweep in the uh, river city rumble not a lot of people saw that coming but congratulations to them they win both games those games look kind of similar we were at the first game mm -hmm. and then the saturday game looked like it was the same uh, unf controlled most of the way ju made a run um Placier made some big plays down the stretch and they went up and winning so congratulations to the ospreys so a lot of things to talk about did you watch pro bowl pro not bowl really. games no did you watch any of it not a second I um, uh, and I'll talk about the con. The concert was unbelievable. I'll get to the concert in a second. But I was a uh, what concert? <laughs> I, have to, I, have to say, I went to a concert. I have to tell you about it. But I'm trying during the day to watch some of the Pro Bowl games. I you did, were just I, trying to pass the time. Yeah, well, I was. Yeah. No, I was. That's 100 percent correct. <laughs> but it just, boy, it didn't do it for me. I, I just, I just, I know they're trying, and they have a captive television audience, and I get that, and they don't want people to get hurt, and I certainly get that. But this, well, I don't think this was it, you know. So we'll so, so we'll so we'll get to that. So we'll talk Pro Bowl, we'll talk some college basketball, talk a little golf out here. Did I tell you I went to a concert? Tell me about Did it. Did I tell you I went to a concert? Yeah. I, I said this during the handoff. Saw a Springsteen concert, my fifteenth time. I can't keep saying best concert ever. I've seen too many concerts for it to be the the latest best concert I've ever seen. But it's in the conversation. Okay, let me just let me just assure you, it's in the conversation. It was unbelievable. The energy, the emotion. The soulfulness, that 73-year-old, he was the same as he was when he was 33. I'm telling you. And we had these great seats, so we're right next to him. Hey, he walked right past you. He walked right, right, right in front of us. So I, tried, I honestly tried to fist bump. Yeah. Okay? And I, I'm, fa I'm enough fanboy that I went for the fist bump. Okay? <laughs> he was close enough to fist bump, but he just, he just had a drink. He drank right in front of me. Right. This guy, like, five, rows, five over from us giving him drinks on the floor. Were you screaming at this point in time? I didn't scream. Okay. I, didn't, I yelled and sang, <laughs> but, uh, and I, wanted, I was trying to keep the phone. I'm not a very good videographer, so I'm trying to keep the phone on him. And go for the fist bump. It's hard to videography yeah, and go for the fist true. bump. Yeah, it's I, a you took way couple. more videos than I anticipated. Yeah. Well, I always take a lot. I don't always. I always take some, but I don't always send them out. But I said, oh, why not send them out? Um, it was an unbelievable show. I, I, I said this during the handoff, and we were talking a minute ago. Um, the, the, the encore. So the first song's Burning Train, which is from his new album. He always plays songs from Letters to You, new album. He's played about six of those. And the last song in the encore, it's a seven-song encore. And the last song is I'll See You In My Dreams, which also was one of his new songs. So he started, but the middle of that encore, I've never seen anyone do this before. They turn the house lights up. Usually the house lights come up when they're done, right? When the house lights come up, that means they turn all the house lights. They didn't want any spotlights. They wanted everybody to see this. 
and then he played Born to Run, Rosalita, Glory Days, Dancing in the Dark, and 10th Avenue Freeze-Out. Not a medley. He played them all, in every one of them, about eight minutes a pop. And I mean, that place was losing their money. There, there had to be people. There had to be heart attacks. There had to be, okay. There, I mean, th- that place was losing their mind like, you, like you've never seen. And I thought that, and remember now, that's after a 21-song set. That's after he played Never Surrender and Promised Land and, and, all, and, and Out in the Streets and Thunder Road and Badlands. And, uh, that's after he played all of them. He played all of them, okay? And then, and then he played those five. It was, it was absolutely unbelievable. Did Bruce hear you complaining that Thunder Road was not in the initial well, set list? Well, it was not. Pro- he pro- I'm probably not alone in that <laughs> complaint. And so he, uh, so he didn't play Thunder Road in the, first, the, the, the Wednesday show or Jungle Land. So in the Friday show in Atlanta, he played Thunder Road. And, uh, and so we saw it because it was about streaming live on Facebook. That's, isn't that against the law? Mm-hmm. It's got to be against the law, right? I think so. Yeah. Unless it's from the entity. It had to be against the law. Was it against the law that I watched all two hours? Is that yeah. two and a half hours? Was the, did I break the law is the question. Nah. So, but, the, uh, but anyway, so, but he, so he played Thunder Road. At the end of his regular he, – he ended the set with Badlands, the rising then Badlands in Tampa. Atlanta, it was rising, Badlands, Thunder Road, and then the encore. Well, that's what he did last night too. Rising, Badlands, Thunder Road, and then the encore. So, so yeah, he did play, and it was fantastic. I mean, and Thunder Road, and the whole place sang it back to him. The whole place sang. Could he? He didn't even need to sing Thunder Road. He could have just held the mic up. So, but it was a, it was a great show. It was a, one of the best ones. I, and I, I'm telling you, I thought, my first thought was best show I've ever seen. Best show I've ever seen. Reasons, and then I thought, well, I've seen him 15 times. I've probably seen Chicago 12. I've probably seen. Billy Joel and the Eagles, what, seven or eight times. I've seen Billy Joel with Elton John. I've seen the Eagles with Buffett. At some point, they just all have to be in the conversation. They can't all be the greatest concert. That ELO show we saw five years ago was, was amazing. So they can't all, you know what I mean? They can't all be uh, the great. But it was, a, it, was, it was an amazing connection. I will say, of all the, con- of the how many hundreds of concerts I've seen, he connects with his audience. He's among the four or five that connect with their audience like you can't imagine. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks connects with his audience. I, I've only seen the Stones twice, but that time we saw them, it was clear, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. The way Mick, Mick at 70, however old he was, was jumping around, connecting with. But when you really connect with the audience, if so, it's an amazing show, amazing show. I, I, I could talk about it till 9 o'clock tonight. That's awesome. And he doesn't talk a lot during the set, right? It depends. He did not this time. Okay. Over the years, he's been criticized for being too political and yeah. But he, there was no talking. He came and played. He talked. Uh-huh. He he talked a little bit about some of his newer songs. Mm-hmm. Like he played from Letter to You, f- six songs off that album. One of them, Ghost, is really good. The the the, the best hit. He played the, the title cut is Letter to You is okay. He played about six songs off that. But usually he'll talk a little bit. He talked a little before some of those songs about having about how he, how he wrote them. Mm-hmm. But other than that, not only not only not much talking. I don't like it when a guy tells me what song's coming. Let me right. I, let me just just play it. Yeah. Okay. I don't like the as much as I love Garth Brooks. The only thing I don't like about Garth, Garth will tell you, this is Colin Baton Rouge. Garth, I'm going to know that in a minute. I mean, right, I'm, right. I'm going to know pretty quick that it's Colin Baton Rouge. <laughs> you know? So, but he he just I mean I mean there was very little time in between. He'd finish one, that roadie would have the next guitar. He'd throw him one. He'd put mm-hmm. it on one two. So it was mm-hmm. a, it was an amazing show. So Glory Days is like three and a half minutes long as a song, but he'll play it in concert. It'll be like eight. It was probably about five. Okay. They'll, they'll so they just out. extend sort yeah. of the yeah. solo yeah. part. Yeah. Remember, always on radio, it's always cut down to fit to fit radio, yeah. CHR radio. So, no, I would say none of those were shorter than four or five minutes. Because like, like 10th Avenue Freeze Out, he probably played for almost 10 minutes. Well, it's about a seven-minute song. Wow. But, you know, they, they stretch out. They do some instrumental stuff in it. So, How did he introduce the band? Uh, during Dancing in the Dark, but quick. 
It wasn't – Patty Schiaffo wasn't there, by the way. His okay. wife wasn't there. But you, in, in, over the years, he'll introduce him. We'll talk a long time about him. They went right to him. Roy Bitton, Max Weinberg, Stevie Van Zandt, Niels Lofgren. And boom, 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 boom. And then he was – I mean, it was uh, – Jake Clemens who's good, by the way, the, the nephew. So, you know what I mean? He didn't, yeah. he didn't spend a lot of time. He, it, was, it was at the end of Dancing in the Dark, and he went through every guy. And, I mean, he, he, was, he, was, he was just finishing up. That was the third to the last song. And then places going crazy. And the minute he finished up, boom, right to, right to freeze out. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they played 10th Avenue freeze out. How good is Van Zandt still? Yeah, he's, he's, they're all good. They're, yeah. he's, Niels Lofgren's the great one. Tom, Tom Champion's with us. He's, he's one of the greatest guitarists in the world. He hadn't lost a step. Mm-hmm. Van Zandt's more of the – The flamboyant. Yeah, guy, he's, right? he's, yeah. The, he's the guy that jumped up there with Bruce and right. shares the mic. And, yeah. and he's, uh, he's, more of the, he's more of a character. Okay. Um, uh, Lofgren is a magnificent guitarist. Roy Bitton is a magnificent piano player. When, when, when they lost Dan Federici, who'd been their, their organ player, I don't know the name of their new organ player, um, but, uh, but no, it, 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 is, it was amazing. So it was amazing. We had a great time. Uh, drank too much, as I promised I would. <laughs> Walk, we walked to dinner Saturday night. We walked to the concert. You know, walking's great. Mm-hmm. Walking's like one of the great things in America. I mean, you can walk to a concert. You know what happens afterwards? You walk back from the concert. Okay, that, that's the yeah. beauty of there's it. There's no W-U-I. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, there's you not. Can, be as drunk as you want to yeah. walk. And, 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 I, and I am very careful, like we all are. There is public intoxication, though. Stetson Bennett knows I'm that, always very careful. I, I'm, even after two beers, I, I'm probably not going to drink another beer if I'm driving. I just don't want to be that right, guy. You sure, know? Yeah. I, I, so we're all like that. We're very, very careful. Any drink. But when you know you're walking, mm-hmm. that's a great – it's not – the walk isn't just a great feeling. It's knowing you're walking, <laughs> okay? Knowing that, you're, that the valet's got your car keys, yeah. okay, somewhere, and they're nowhere near you. That's the greatest thing in the world. So Did you look at the rest of the tour and wonder how many other shows you could go to? I'm going to New York. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Just so you know, I'm going to New York. For real? To, yes. That's okay. the, only, the, only one we, the only one we've planned is the Madison Square Garden show, and I am going to that one. Hicken's going to uh, Austin. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd planned that too. Too much going on now to plan it now, but I wish I'd planned that too. But I'm definitely going to go to New York. So I'll definitely. When's he playing the Garden? Sometime in April. April oh wow! April. We're going to be going at the yeah. same time. You know. You know what? Oh, well, you, when are you going? Ours is the April 14th. It's, a, it's around then. It may be yeah. a week or two after that. But yeah. So I'm definitely going to go there. So, so anyway, it was a great show. Had, had the time of my life. Um, God bless you, Bruce. The, 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 doesn't get any better than Bruce. And the fact that he just laid into it. I, just think about this too. There, however many sets, how many shows there are, both in both in Europe and here, all twenty thousand seat arenas, all sold out, all sold out. You you wonder if he could turn around and play it again the next night. He'd done it again, mm-hmm. you know. So so it's an amazing show. So an amazing show. We had a great time. Thank you for asking. Uh, it, was, it was it was when something is as good when you have so much build up, you have the potential to be let down, mm-hmm. you know, because you're so excited, so excited. And when it's all that and you, and it still exceeds, and I and I knew the set list. And it still exceeded. So it's it, a lot like Graham Mertz. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, <laughs> I don't know that the boss is Graham. So uh, we come back. Let's talk a little. I want to talk a little bit about the Pro Bowl, what they should do. Super Bowl week is upon us. I got a lot of thoughts about that. Is there better ways to do the Super Bowl than they're doing it? Or, should they, or is it like the NCAA tournament? Just leave it alone. We've talked about Saturday play. We've talked about the lead up and the build up. Is there almost too much hype? And we'll certainly talk about that. So that comes up. Some college hoops. So congratulations to UNF, uh, Florida, Kentucky. We'll certainly get to that game coming up in a bit as well. Got a lot of things to get to. Glad you're with us. This is 1010XL at 92.5 FM. The next to the last song before the encore, in case you're wondering. Let me share that with you. Good. Oh, it was so good. So have you ever seen him in the garden? I have not. 
Yeah, so that'll be the first time for that. Yeah, so but uh, now look, I, seeing Billy Joel in the garden—that's his—that's his place now. You know, mm-hmm. Spring Springsteen is just another concert stop for him. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he's a Jersey guy more than a New York guy. Okay. Yeah, he now he's played, he's played the garden. In fact, I've got that DVD from him, the two set, the two DVD thing that we played in the garden, which is great. But he's a Jersey guy. He, he's he doesn't talk about being a New York guy. He talks about being a Jersey guy. So, but uh, no, I haven't seen him. So that'll be kind of fun. Cool. Uh, a lot of things to get to. We are live at the Hate here at uh, Sawgrass. And uh, in a wonderful, wonderful college golf tournament. We'll give you all the results as soon as we have those. Nick Morrow, the UNFAD, is going to stop by, as is uh, Scott Schroeder, the uh, UNF uh, golf coach, who really puts this, on, this thing on. This is, one, by the way, one of the most u- beautiful golf courses truly in, uh, in, in, all, in all of Jacksonville. We, people, people don't talk about it as much because it's we, – when you say sawgrass, people think of the, the stadium. And which is wonderful, by the way, and, th- and I wasn't able to do it, but thank you to the folks at the stadium for having all the media out. I know they all had a big time today. It was a beautiful day. I saw Blue almost ace 17. That was kind of cool. But uh, So thank you to them. But when you think Sawgrass, you don't think this golf course. But this is the first place in this area that held the TPC. The TPC was played here at East-West before the stadium was built and, and started in 82. So I want to say probably late 70s. Uh, they probably played three or four of them here, I'd guess. I'm, Nicholas I'm, won it here. Nicholas won it here, correct. He's exactly right. And uh, and one of the highest scoring ones ever, Mark Hayes won it. He was either even par, one over, or something like that when he won it. So, but that's right. So, but it's a wonderful golf course. I played in the celebrity thing or the celebrity thing, the sponsor thing last last year. That was this past Saturday. Again, we were out of town this week. But it's a wonderful golf course. So it's beautiful out here. It's a beautiful day. A little cool, but not a cloud in the sky. So we're honored to be out here. Can't wait to visit with some of those UNF folks catching up in just a bit. By the way, Tom Brady says he's not going to he's not going <laughs> to start broadcast till twenty four. What's of course wh- he isn't. Lauren, what's he going to be doing in between? Whatever the heck he wants. Well, hey. Throwing touchdowns is what he's going to be doing. <laughs> he's still convinced. He's, he's going to relax like the rest of us do right. on a normal basis. <laughs> he's still convinced he's going to play. You know what? That kind of supports it, doesn't it? So, so there you go. It certainly doesn't hurt the uh, the, the argument. Yeah. The argument. Um, all right. So uh, I, I tried to watch the Pro Bowl. Well, what do you What do you do with it? I mean, it wasn't any good. And, and I and I love that Trevor was in it. And Trevor threw the touchdown, even though he only, I was watching live. When he threw the touchdown to Diggs, and Diggs only really had the one foot down. I was, I was watching live then. You didn't watch any of it, right? I watched none of it live. And you I, didn't I mean, either, right? I saw right. some clips. Of yeah, it, yeah but, I saw yeah. the highlights on Twitter. That's all I needed. I was literally watching live when, when Trevor threw that touchdown. Yeah. So, I mean, that was in between in between walks and working out and going and having lunch at this area. So, but I uh, now, now that I say I did watch about five minutes, right. long enough to ask myself, <laughs> Why you're watching does the Kirk Herbstreet call everything I know. <laughs> I mean, true? can I go outside of my house? Can I go to it, it, without hearing Kirk Herbstreet call well, something? And I felt bad. I will say this. I felt bad for Herbstreet Herb and the guys that were calling it. Because yeah. how are you possibly breaking this thing? Well, well, the, yeah. like, well the thing, McAfee was clowning around a little bit. I heard. Herbstreet was trying to really break it really down. Really break it he was, down. He was trying to really yeah. be an analyst. So. Yeah, and that's tough. Somebody should <laughs> have right said. He does, he, does, he, does, yeah. he does call everything. Bad news for Blossom. I think he's going to start calling right. Jeopardy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, doesn't, it's, blo- it's, doesn't Blossom host Jeopardy now? She does. Okay, well so bad, bad news for yeah. Blossom. No, I think it's the guy that they won them all. Oh, no. they do? I think there's two. Oh, I think okay. It's all I the only time I've watched it recently, the, the guy that, is that won all of them. She's Blossom. She is Blossom, but she was also fantastic on Big Bang Theory. Yes, she was. Sheldon's girlfriend. But um, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it's it's they should have just said, look, don't call anything. We're yeah. yes, we're keeping score, yeah, right. but no one cares about how you're gonna you know stop Michael Parsons. It's flag right. football. Yeah, what, for, none of this translates. No. What they, what so they, 
They need what they really need to do is make the Pro Bowl an, an award show, but they've already got NFL honors. Right. But but they should somehow they, they should not lose the honor of being a Pro Bowler. Okay. They should they should not. But it's clear now none of this is going to work. And they may say, well, it did work because there are a lot of fans there and did ratings. I'm sure it did ratings because you got a lot of big names. Has that come out yet? Yeah. No, no but, uh, but I, I'll, I'll be interested in seeing but I'll bet it, it, if but, it does ratings. But because Peyton's there yeah, and because, probably, probably because, it's the, because it's the NFL brand, I'm sure. I mean, I will say this. A lot of people talked about there was the Pro Bowl games. Nothing else on. Yeah. I mean, I, but I just they, they have to do – I don't. The, the challenge is how do you not leave – how do you not lose – the honor of being a pro bowler without having this gimmicky cuz you know it's just it's just it just to me looks silly it was hard to hard to enjoy it or pay much attention to it yeah which is why i didn't watch it cuz i knew that it would yeah. be something not worth my time i mean josh jacobs tweeted like just give us the vacation yeah then we could almost have like the spring break you know mtv spring break give them the vacation and have the cameras in there and then we get to see them all party that would be more fun yeah. than what we did yesterday what about a golf thing now i know not everybody's a golfer yeah but i mean people love golf and it's it's you know i just it's it's just playing the trying to find a way to make it footballish doesn't work football is football football doesn't set up for skills competitions Football sets up for who's tougher and who's – it's violence. And when you take – as much as you hate to say this, when you take the violence out of football, it doesn't feel like football. You can, you can take the up and down out of basketball by making it a, free, uh, a skills contest. You can have home run hitting contests. And those have worked maybe more than I expected them to, to be honest with you. Those have worked I – didn't, I didn't think they'd work like they did, and, they, and they've worked well. But I just don't think you could turn football into a skills contest. So I, I, I don't know what to do, but – it didn't work for me. And I love the NFL. We all love the NFL. So it, uh, what I did like is the different – the number one Jaguar presence with, with Trevor there. And, uh, by the way, he missed one long throw when I was watching to, to Agnew. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he had him and he missed him. That would have been kind of cool, Jaguar to Jaguar. But, but I, I love the Jaguar presence was there. And I love all the people, Peyton among them, which you probably did see on Twitter, saying look out for this team. They've arrived. That part was cool. Which pains him. That is not – It would have to. I mean, that, he is not somebody that is going to say something that he doesn't believe – and he doesn't like the Jaguars. Uh, so he, Peyton Manning is not going to go out of his way to compliment the Jaguars. Now, I think he really does like Trevor. Right. Uh, and certainly has known him for many years, you know, when Trevor was in high school. Uh, but he talked, you know, about Doug and, and their relationship and how much he likes that Doug's the play caller. It, it, it was I, – I thought that was – very genuine because Peyton's not going to say it right. if he doesn't mean it, and he's certainly not going to say it about the Jaguars because he is a Colt diehard. And again, it's good for Trevor to be around those guys. I know you know fans certainly were clamoring for some of those receivers to end up joining the Jaguars, and it's just good for Trevor to be around Peyton Manning. Even like they may not still have conversations. Yeah. By the way, I, I'm watching this the little bit I watched and see all the stuff on Twitter. <clears throat> and I'm trying to think, what you, what do you do? You know what? And, we're, and I keep saying, what's Peyton going to do? He's gonna, I, the answer is what he's doing now. He's going to host this show and host that show and do the, the Monday Night Cast and, and do stuff like this and host a uh, show up on Saturday Night Live. He, he's, I mean, that, that's, that's a great life for him. But, and I'm sure Jim Irsay has thought of this. I would just turn the team over to Peyton Manning. If I was Jim Irsay, I would just say, listen, this yours. Call yourself whatever you want, president, CEO, general manager, whatever role you want. Here, here's the keys. Isn't that, isn't that realistically, number one, the great PR of it? Number two, he's a really smart football guy. 
He's, he's competitive as heck. You could see that yesterday when he was interviewed during the game. Shouldn't Jim Marseille just say, here's the keys, and I'm going to go to the Bahamas for a while? He should have done it the second Peyton Manning retired, uh, you know, because of all the things you said. He has the acumen for it. Uh, and, again, I, I would handle it exactly the way you just did. Peyton, if you want to retain Chris Ballard and have him right. as your general manager and allow him to work at your discretion, great. You want to fire him, we'll fire him. Uh, you want to bring in your own team. You, 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 you want to make call, you know, all the shots from first-round pick to big-time free agent deal to practice squad edition. I'm fine with that, however you want to do it. But the Indianapolis Colts, as a football entity, are now completely – under your control, yeah, and, and, and here's a 10-year deal. And the reason I say now, Lauren, is because you're right. Hayes could have done earlier, and, and we don't know that he didn't try to do that earlier, and Peyton just wasn't interested. Who knows? Peyton loves living in Denver, they say. You know, that's where he, that's where he made his home. So maybe that's what happened. But um, the Colts, I remember my dad following the Colts when I was a kid because my dad was just a big Unitas fan. So the Colts were really the first team I ever knew, even before I followed the Steelers because my cousins did. I knew the Colts. I could name the whole 1966 or 1969 Colts defense still because my dad loved the team that much. We told you the first game we ever saw was the Colts and the Cowboys in that playoff game or that, 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 that consolation game in Miami. But in all the time following or being around the Colts or following the NFL, that franchise has never felt as dysfunctional as it does now. It's never felt as broken. Even before – Peyton and Indianapolis when they were in Baltimore, no matter what, it's even when Arch Schleister and Jim Harbaugh were the quarterbacks and they were a 500 team, it's never felt this dysfunctional. So if ever that, and by the way, I hope they don't figure it out because they're the opponent, but I'm just telling you, if I'm him, that's what I do. Yeah, from a Jaguars perspective, I would never want Peyton Manning leading the charge because I think they would get a lot better and quickly. And I think he would probably pick a coach different than Jeff Saturday, even though they certainly played together. I don't think that's who Peyton would want uh, running the team. I just think Jim Ursay is, is kind of like Jerry Jones in that he's not going to ever let go of that much control. He thinks he will get it right. Yeah, I, th- I do sense that if Peyton wanted it, He's the one guy that could say, Jim, listen, let me handle this. I don't know that because I think you're right. He's a control freak and he's a micromanager. There's no doubting that. But I, but I do sense he's the one guy that – but anyway, we'll see what winds up happening. The best that. thing about the Colts right now are the Jolie Molinaura videos. I mean, They like, are. They that's are. really about the best thing. And, and, look, they could absolutely botch this quarterback decision. I, oh, no I, question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – I would be very concerned if, uh, if my team – was getting ready to take one of these guys in the top ten. Well, that's the thing. The thing is, the the guys that are there, this year's guys, honestly, I think Bryce Young's really good. But because he's so small, you wonder if he's going to have two alike injuries. I think C.J. Stroud might be the best combination of talent and size of all of them. Anthony Richardson, God bless his soul, he was a 52% passer last year. You know, say what you want. I love Anthony. Or 54, he's a 54% pa- 54% passer in today's day and age. He's 20 years ago, 40% passer. You know, so they're all the – Will Levis, we, I've seen enough of him to know that I don't know much about him, right? So any of those quarterbacks could be – that's not just where the Colts' dysfunction is. That's the, there, there's never been more uncertainty in a class of quarterbacks, I think. You know what's kind of wild is I'm starting to think that Hendon Hooker is going to be one that dra- like rises up the draft boards, and you. he almost scares me as an option for a team in this division. I, that's a great point. I, he, it, would, it would not shock me if he was the best of the group. Now, he may not be, but it would not shock me because he's, a, he's gutty 
It would not surprise me. If Mobile, he's, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Would not surprise me if he's a – that's a great call. Wouldn't surprise me if he winds up being the best of the group. So, we'll say, I want to take a break. I want to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, all the hype this week, media day, media night is tonight. Uh, uh, the opening, what do they call it, the opening now, something like that. That's tonight. You're going to hear all – you're going to know everything there is to know about every Philadelphia player. You're going to know everything there possibly is to know if you don't already about the Kansas City players. Are we doing it right? Do we have the right night? Is it the right time? Let's weigh in on that. Let's talk Super Bowl. The Super Bowl week has officially begun. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. All right, Super Bowl week is finally upon us. It feels for some reason, Frank, like the week between the or the two weeks between the AFC and NFC championships and the Super Bowl takes forever. Yeah, it does. I guess that's because it's our last football game. And, and, I, and look, it, it, I understand we bring, when we start this topic, this segment, there's going to be a lot of people to say the same thing about the NCAA basketball tournament. It's, you got it right. Why change it? And I understand that. The NFL is on top of the world, and I, and I know it is. But it just seems like Sunday night – I don't know. I can't put my, hand, put my head around it. It almost seems like there's a better way to do it. We've, we've all agreed the game should be on Saturday, right? Hayes, you've always said that. It absolutely should yeah. be a Saturday game. You agree with that? Mm-hmm. Particularly if you're going to keep the week off. Yeah. The, the buy in between. Because then you have time, right. College so, football should also be a Saturday. I totally agree. Not a Monday And Tony, college football, by the way, is Saturday except for that game. Correct. That's the worst part is it is. But, I, but this, this should be, it should be a Saturday so you'd have the next day to – uh, to be off every day, which I, which I totally agree. What else would you – let's look at everything. Sites, venues, um, the night before, the honors, uh, the fact that it's played at 6.30 at night. Um, what would you change? I know Saturday's, I know Saturday's step one for you. But what, all, what all would you change about the way we picked the champion of the National Football League? I'd make it the Super Bowl games and have them play flag football. <laughs> sure. Um, we, well, that surely yeah. works. <laughs> um, I think other than it being on Sunday, there's not much I would change. I like that it bounces to different venues. I like that it's been used as an incentive to uh, reward franchises that have built new stadiums or renovated new stadiums. So uh, I like that aspect of it. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of playing it like in New York where it could potentially be a really bad weather game. I, I like the championship yep. to be uh, either in a warm climate or in a dome. Um, but I do like that it bounces around. I think they do a good job of, of putting it early enough in the night to where, you know, kids are able to see it uh, and not have to stay up super late. Uh, I think that's really important for the growth of the game. Uh, so there's not a lot I would change other than I do think that it really needs to be on a Saturday night. And, and if you're going to insist on keeping the two weeks, which I'm fine with, I'd be fine if they got rid of that. But, I, I mean, it, I'm fine if they wanted to keep it. Then by all, absolutely move it to a Saturday night. But other than that, I mean, I, I think they, I think, I think for the most part, it's a it's a pretty perfect entertainment product. Yeah, it's certainly better than the way college football does it, which is basically like a month in between the championships right. and and when the playoff begins. I think two weeks is fine, and and you do want to have the best game you can possibly have as far as health for your superstars, including this time around Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, the quarterbacks. I think having gone to it, the only time I've been was, and I wasn't, I didn't go to the game, but the Super Bowl media days and Radio Row, I think they did a great job with that. And, and there's a ton of celebrities that come through, obviously both athletes and, and musicians and actresses and actors and all that stuff. I think there's a lot of hype surrounding it. And, and the only thing is, yeah, if you could put it on a Saturday at like 7, 7.30, I think that'd be better. And if you played, a, I was going to say, if you played Saturday, it wouldn't be 6.30. Yeah. If Saturday would probably be an 8 o'clock kick because – because then you're not worried about the, about the, the TV 
or, or, the, or the late night. Even TV coverage is a little clunky for me because at 10 o'clock they show, they show like a show, The Equalizer, or something, you know, on CBS or, or whoever has it when it's over, which is, which is a great way to promote whatever that show is, by the way, right. <laughs> for, the TV, for, for, the, for the TV folks. I would play it on Saturday for sure. I don't think I would change that. I agree with you. I would move it around. I guess that's the right way to do it. There is something to be said for uh, one or two locations or three or four locations. I can tell you from a media person standpoint and from a fan going to all the events standpoint, it's way better when it's at a place where everything's together. All right. So it's in Phoenix this year. The one year you went, I think, was mm-hmm. in Phoenix. I, I was at that one as well. That's way too spread out. Glendale's over here and Scottsdale's over here and Phoenix Tempe's over here. And, and I don't love that. Uh, Indianapolis, um, New Orleans, probably Vegas. Is, uh, is, is, is way better for that. I, um, I like the fact that the game is um, at night. I like the fact that the game is by itself. I like the fact that they do it when nothing else goes on because people don't like it or not. People don't love college basketball and NBA until it's, until it's the playoffs. But I wouldn't change a whole lot. The media day went from Tuesday to Monday. I almost find the media too corny. I almost find there's too much. I don't know how you would change that. But I, and I don't mean the real media, but uh, I almost think some of the silly stuff is a little too much for me. Now maybe I'm, maybe that's an age thing of the older. Do you do that? Do you think that at all? Uh, nothing productive has come out of the opening <laughs> or the yeah. Monday night yeah. media thing in literally eight years. Like it is just absolutely a, a complete zero. I think in terms of actually learning anything about either team or anything about the game. I mean, it, it's become more of a carnival, um, you know, which is, you know, fine if, uh, if that's sort of what they want. Right. But, uh, but it seems to be more of a thing for, for you know, things to go viral than right. it does a legitimate press conference. Did you read Peter King's Football Morning in America today? Uh, I skimmed through it. Okay. So I know you were traveling, Frank, so you probably didn't have time because they're always very lengthy. But I found it really interesting how he kind of profiled Nick Sirianni and rode in the car with him, the Eagles head coach. And he said that Nick Sirianni is totally fine with this being the Andy Reid Super Bowl because Reid is obviously coaching one team, having previously coached another team, and he kind of gets to stay in the shadows. He's a coach that I feel like we don't really know that much right. about, and so it will be interesting, at least, if, if anything, more. We get to know him more as the process goes yeah, on. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, gr- it's a great point. You're going to get to know more about people. Not everybody knows Jalen Hurts. We do because we're Southeastern football people, and he started his career at Alabama. But not everybody knows that. Not everybody – people that don't we, – we assume – we can't assume that everybody follows Southern college football as, 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 uh, as the way we do, as, as maniacal as we do around here. So, yeah, you're going to get to know the, the people better. Uh, whether you like it or not, you're going to get a steady dose of Kelsey, okay, the Kelseys, whether you like that. That part I like it. And I, and I love I – I guess I just think I want it to be – gosh, I sound like an old guy. Maybe it's because I am. But I just – it just seems to be not enough. Everything up until now is football. You know, it's football. This is stuff beyond fo- – and, again, if you're the NFL, you want it to be that, by the way. If, you're, if, if I'm a marketing guy for the NFL – I know I got the football fan. I want to get the younger person or the person that's not a, a P1 or a, a, a diehard. So I guess this allows you to do it. Maybe, it. maybe what bothers me a little bit is the two weeks in between, in addition to all that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It just seems like – I mean, I can't wait for the game. I think this is going to – could be a Super Bowl for the ages. Because, I mean, this is one Super Bowl that if you ask 20 people who you think is going to win, they're gonna, it's going to be 10-10. Don't you get that? What's mm-hmm. the line, by the way? 
it's fluctuated. I think the Eagles are a two-point favorite yeah. right now. Yeah, but it's going back and forth. Now, you see the Eagles are going to win easily. I do, but I get that I'm in the yeah. really big-time minority in that. Yeah, you're yes, the, you're, I you're, think the Eagles yeah. are going to convincingly win. You're not in a minority that you like the Eagles. You're right. like in a minority that you don't think it's going to be a competitive game. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think most people think it's going to come down to the wire, one of those yeah. instant classic types of games. Because you can make the argument for both teams. That's what's great about yeah. this Super Bowl in particular. When we had, like, for instance, the Bucks chiefs a few yeah. years ago when the Bucks won, I think everyone kind of knew Tom Brady was destined to win yeah. one more yeah. Super Bowl, not with the Patriots, all those kinds of things, and with his experience. But in this game, I mean, yes, Mahomes has way more experience than Hurts does in this arena. But overall, both teams are so incredibly talented. And, and I'll say this, too. I saw a stat. I'm going to pull it up in a bit. But there's also no villains here, right? Did we, did we say that last week? Or I mean, We said that about the AFC NFC championships. Yeah, that's right. But, but I feel that way. Well, then if it's the case, then the two of those teams move on. But there's no villains. I mean, there's, there's no – when Tom Brady was in it, he had become the villain. Nothing wrong with him. They're just tired of him winning. Anytime the Steelers or the Cowboys are in it, you're either a fan of theirs or you root against them, right? Uh, the, the, the Patriots became that. There's nobody here. Or the, the Chiefs might be knocking on the door of being – if the Chiefs win this thing, I think this would this, – then there could be some Mahomes fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only chance I think you have for that. Yeah, that's the only chance because I, I, I do think – I mean, again, not everybody loves the Eagles, but, I mean, this – current incarnation of the Eagles, I think, is a, is a pretty lovable, easy-to-cheer-for group because of Jalen Hurts, what he's gone through. Um, you know, their star players are, are young, likable, you know, uh, players. And, and again, it's, it's, I think it's, it's somewhat even – unfair is not the right word, but even Kansas City, like, the Patriots were an easy villain. They, right. The Patriots, you can make a legitimate case – Cheated twice. Right. Yeah. I right. mean, right. Spygate and Deflategate. Right. Now, you, you can say you may not believe that, but there is a lot of people, including the National Football League, that believe they cheated twice. Right. So, uh, you don't have any of that with Kansas City. I mean, who doesn't like Andy Reid? And uh, Patrick Mahomes has been a phenomenal ambassador for, for his franchise and, and for the game since he arrived. Uh, you know, I, it, so I, it, it, it is, I think, really hard to find – uh, a villain in this, and and you know I think it it is. It's a compelling right. matchup. Uh, I could be selling the Chiefs way short, um, yeah. and I understand people saying you know hey I'm go I'm going with Mahomes. I just think he's going to be running for his life. All right. So um, if I ask you Super Bowl appearances, Patriots are one. Everybody knows that they've been to eleven. Who's second? I would guess uh, like Forty ers I'll go Steelers. There's three teams tied. Give me three. Off the top of your head. Steelers, Cowboys. 49ers. Okay, three teams. So give me three. I'll say 49ers. Steelers is a good one. Bills went to a lot. Okay, you guys are – neither one of you got all three. There's one you both missed. I'm going somewhere with this, but there's one you both missed that I would have missed too. Most mm – -hmm. here, here's what I will tell you. The Patriots have been in the most with 11. There's three teams tied with eight. The Steelers and the Cowboys are two of those teams. Who's the third one? The Steelers and the Cowboys are tied with eight. There's one other team with eight. Chiefs. You missed. You guys have missed. You guys have missed again. I was. I was. Since you said you were going somewhere, I was trying to follow the okay. Super Bowl train. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Packers, Giants. Nope. Nope. And nope. Eight Super Bowl appearances. The Jaguars. Oh, um, <laughs> that'd be no, that would be close, but no. I I'm drawing up the Raiders. Nope. You've gone through about eight teams now, and if it makes you, I would have, been, I'd have been right with you. Okay, it's not the Colts. Nope, you've gone through nine teams now. See if you go through the whole league. 
You've gone to the Jaguars. Right. <laughs> yeah. Most Super Bowl appearances, Patriots 11, Cowboys, Steelers, and Team X have been to eight. How about that? Been to eight. Been I, to, I mean, I'm – You're totally blank. Washington. No, you've gone through 10 now. See if you can get it to 11. 11 misses. I mean, we can easily get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can come up with a lot of things that I know it's not. It's not the Seahawks. It's not the Rams. That's, that's 12. Yeah. It's not the Bears. 13. There's only, there's only, 30 the there's only 32 teams in the league. Right. It's not the Dolphins. 14. Eight Super Bowl appearances. 14. So people are driving down the road we now did. screaming. We failed this test. The Denver Broncos mm. have been to eight Super Bowl. I wouldn't have to your I wouldn't have guessed that if I was guessing for a week. But they're not a villain. Yeah. No matter what, they 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 never became. They've been to eight of them, but they never became a villain. And they've been so bad for yeah five or six right. years. It's just you hard forget to remember them. Well, they, yeah, and, they had Elway, and, and they, they've and had the different eras. Yeah. yeah, they went way before Elway. With Red Parker or whatever, isn't it? when when Craig Morton was their quarterback, then they went later during the Elway years, you know, and mm. failed before they won, and then they went obviously with Peyton. See, I didn't, I didn't realize they went before Elway. Yeah, yeah, they went with the, the Dallas beat them. I don't know one year Dallas mm. beat them when Craig Morton. It was because the Staubach and Morton were the two Cowboy quarterbacks back in the day. Staubach beat him out, so Morton landed with the Broncos, and then they played against each other in. Super Bowl something. Hmm. So, so but the point is, they were never a villain. So as you look at you look at all these other teams and all these teams they've been to it. The Patriots eleven, they're a villain. The Broncos, Cowboys, and Steelers. The Cowboys and Steelers are definitely villains. The Forty Niners seven times are they a villain? Were they ever I, a villain? They never felt like they, a villain. Yeah, they, they went were, to seven of them. Um, after that, it's Chiefs, Dolphins, Giants, Packers, Raiders, Rams, Washington, all with five. All five appearances. So, anyway, it's interesting stuff. So, we'll see what happens. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk some hoops. That's next. Uh, also, we're going to say hello to uh, people that are working so hard to put together this outstanding uh, hate golf tournament, hate invitational. And we'll get some final scores, too. Let you know which, uh, which players did the best, which teams did the best. That's next. Stay with us. Hey, we're glad you're with us. They're wrapping up the hate now. The uh, golf tournament that uh, our friend John Hate sponsors is the UNF golf tournament. UNF plays host to it. JU is in it. A uh, number of SEC schools here, a number of schools are in this golf tournament. They have a wonderful time. They do it every year out here. The earliest they've done it in a while. You heard uh, Scott talking about it. Scott Schroeder, the UNF coach, last week on our program. Typically, this thing's been in late March. And, and as you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know golf, obviously cold weather, golf's different. The ball doesn't fly the same. The grip, the, your club doesn't feel the same. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, not a different sport, but a different version of the sport. So it'll be interesting to see what some of these scores are. Here. Speaking of UNF, UNF sweeps uh, JU. Uh, they win 76-63 to at JU, 65-58 to at UNF. They played th- The Rumble was Thursday and Saturday. Lauren, I think that is a significant run for at UNF. UNF had been struggling. They had lost uh, six out of seven games. They were trying to find themselves. It had not been a great year uh, to that point. They were 8-14. and 14. But you wonder if this can, this can be what gets them going under Matthew Driscoll. It's a veteran team. They've got a lot of guys now that have played together before. This is, there's, not a lot, there's not a new mix out there. There's a lot of – Placier has been there. Hendrickson has been there. Uh, the big guys have been there. The, the, these guys have played a lot of basketball together. They're long, athletic. They shoot. You, you, I know they expect it to be a little better than they've been. They've won two in a row. Now they've got back-to-back home games this week against Gulf Coast and Stetson. Maybe this is when they make a move because i tell you what, I had not seen a lot of basketball because we were all caught up in the Jaguar stuff. 
We saw them Thursday. They're pretty good. They're, pretty, they're, they're better than the record would indicate that they are. Yeah, certainly. And I know that as far as UNF goes, right now it was, a, it was certainly a good time to, to sweep their arch rival heading into homecoming week and then certainly trying to get into the postseason. And look, I think when your moniker is Birds of Trey and you're not shooting as well as you want, the best thing you can possibly do is to find the rhythm with your shooting. And that's what UNF was able to do both Thursday night at JU and then Saturday night at UNF Arena. They had a ton of threes, and that was them getting back to their style, and certainly that makes Coach Driscoll very happy. Plus, they played really good defense both nights as well. I, I thought Thursday night the intensity UNF showed was outstanding, and it carried forward. And, and I think Matthew Driscoll shared with us something that became a very tangible thing for his team, which is, all right, the calendar now says February, right. and we own February. And, you know, even though they'd struggled, uh, as you had mentioned, losing three straight and six to seven coming in, uh, I think that was something that his players obviously rallied behind and it gave them some confidence of, yeah, we've, we've had great Februarys before and, and here we go. And they had to have it. I mean, they were outside looking in of the A-Sun tournament uh, as 10 of the 14 go. Because of the two-game sweep over JU, JU and UNF are now tied for ninth uh, in the standing. So still just hanging on. They're both a game up on Gulf Coast, uh, um, who's in 11th. So Gulf Coast now out. Uh, so for UNF, for now, it gets them in. Um, but the path is still going to be very, very difficult because that's a tough assignment if you enter that tournament. I mean, the great thing for UNF is now at least you're in the tournament. Right. Uh, or, you know, for now, if you can maintain that. Uh, and hopefully – both of them can can rise up the standings, but it's going to be a very difficult path if they enter this thing as the nine and the ten seed. You made a great point. Uh, to Matthew Driscoll's credit, they had lost that six out of seven, and before they had played a February game, he said, listen, that's when we're typically at our best. If you look at their roster, Lauren, you know it really well. You follow UNF closely. Um, those guys have all been there. You know, I mean, there's a couple of new guys, but for the most part, this is a lot of a lot of good players, tall, athletic players that have played a lot of basketball. There's not, there's not a lot of newness on that, on at least that front seven, that first seven or eight man rotation. Yeah, that was one thing. Certainly last year, Coach Driscoll talked about that a lot. That we have a very young team, and I think on the flip side, Ju a season ago certainly a ton of experience coming back, and then this year now UNF certainly feels like they have upperclassmen that are playing much better together. Carter Hendrickson, we all know, Placer, like you said, really, really good, and I think the the rest of the team also is is developing into who they need to be, whether it's blocking shots or playing really good defense. I think you know we'll be there on Thursday at UNF this Thursday, and, and I think yeah the next few games are especially being at home are really critical. Yeah, yes, Stetson's pretty good. They play Golf Coast and Stetson. Stetson's eight and four in the league. Golf Coast has struggled a little bit in the league, but it'll be interesting to follow them. Uh, meanwhile, Ju, look, this is last year. Jordan Mincy was a first year coach. Things went perfectly, almost perfectly. Almost beat Bellarmine and got to the tournament. Mm -hmm. Had a, had an extraordinary win, one of the most wins in the. In, in the history of the program in the regular season. But the league – here's what happens. Sports fight back, you know. There, there's always counterpunching. And it's been a tough year. I think um, – and, and, and look, watching JU against UNF the one game, two things stood out. They're well coached. They play hard. A lot of things – a lot of good things stood out there. They're well coached. They play hard. Um, he, they're tough. They play great defense. But I will tell you, 
Um, two things stood out to me. Number one, they're not very big. Omar Payne has not become a very good player for them. For whatever reason, Omar Payne, a top 50 recruit. Remember now, he was a top 50 recruit. He was 48th, according to ESPN. A top 50 recruit who went to Florida, didn't work out, went to Illinois, didn't work out, and now is at JU. We all thought he would really positively impact the Atlantic Sun and just hasn't. And so for whatever reason, that's hard to hang that on Jordan because it hadn't happened to other places too. And by all accounts, I've asked, Omar's a good kid. He's a good student. He just has not been able to – he's six foot ten, two forty. Looks like an NBA guy, doesn't he? Gets off the bus, looks like an NBA guy. Absolutely. But hasn't been able to impact the game very much. They lost Bryce Workman before the season. They're six eight power forward who got who blew it, had an ACL, said blew a knee. Um, so they're really small with pain not helping, and they're not shooting. If you're small and don't shoot well, well, you're in trouble. You you can't be. Uh, we'll get to Florida in a minute. Even Florida's having to mitigate that a little bit. They're small and they don't shoot well. You know, big teams pounded inside. Little teams have to make shots. And so uh, tough go for, for JU. JU's now lost three of four, including those two in a row. They, they've been lose one, lose, lose one, lose one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one. But now they've lost three of four, including two. And that's a gut punch now. That's a gut punch for JU. That they would tell you that. They, too, play Stetson and Gulf Coast, um, both at home. So Stetson and Gulf Coast travel together. They're travel partners. They both come up here. So both UNF and JU play the same two teams coming up. What a, and they're tied in the standings, so what a gigantic week. What a gigantic Thursday, Saturday uh, for those two teams. Yeah, and it's going to be you know, difficult for Jordan Mincy to get his team to, I think, be in good spirits after getting swept by the arch rivals, right, and, and almost never losing at home. But that's, he's a great coach, and that's what he'll do. He'll be able to find the motivation. He'll be able to push the right buttons. His team needs to get healthy. That'll certainly help. You really need to get – higher up on this list it's great again to get into the tournament but we know these programs they're not going to be satisfied with well we made the a sun tournament Correct. you know 10 out of 14 team yeah they want to make a run at this thing and and they absolutely should have that expectation well, and you need to get to a point where you're not having to play i think as it currently stands the bracket would be the top two teams liberty and kennesaw state would almost get double buys right i uh, so if you're in that seven eight or eight nine seven eight nine ten. You're going to be playing the first night if if and then having to play a team that was off. So they they need to make a charge. There's six games left. Neither one of them play Liberty or Kennesaw State. So take advantage of that and and try and find you know if, if you're Ju try and find at least four and two to stop the bleeding. And if you're UNF, use this momentum. I mean you're now one of the hottest teams in the league. Uh, you know go on a run. Go win five of your next six and. You know, see if you can really get to a point where maybe you're off the first night and, right. and you're playing a right. team in that first day sun game that's coming off having played, you know, a, a couple nights prior. Yeah, well, and uh, you're right about that. And, and, and I watched this uh, UNF and JU team play. I, I wonder moving forward, UNF's got a lot of seniors. They haven't had that in a while. They've got some seniors. So what happens moving forward? And what happens we'll – we'll, again, we'll get to the Gators later on in the program. But when what happens when when you – transition over I still think Jordan Mincy's trying to figure it out and in fairness to him he deserves the time to figure it out he just he just got to the league um, but I really think it'll be interesting to see where the way both build their teams after this because you made a good point Hayes JU's one year removed from almost winning the league uh, I mean they, they were 21 and whatever last year they barely lost to Bellarmine in a championship game a Bellarmine team that wasn't even uh, eligible and UNF 
won the league two years before, bo- ago, and they're what, Lauren, five or six years, maybe seven years removed from the great teams, right, somewhere thereabouts? Mm-hmm. So, so these teams, it's not like these teams can't compete in this league. And I've always wondered how much it hurts each, they hurt each other that they're both in the same town. I, I, I don't think it does from a recruiting standpoint because neither one of them usually have a whole lot of local players. Um, but I wonder. I, I don't, do you think it has a negative effect? I don't think so yeah, I mean, because I think there's so many players out right. there. Uh, and Jacksonville is an attractive destination. So you look at the cities that some of these other – the other 12 – not all of the 12, right. but That's some right. of the other 12 and the A-Sun are in, and you would think Jacksonville would be an attractive destination for uh, players really from probably Texas through the south and, uh, and certainly in Florida. So I, I, would, I would think – that there's enough – again, you only need to sign. You sign right. three difference makers every year. Right. And f- difference makers for a sun level, I mean, you're going to be unbelievable. So, I mean, I, I don't think – it. you know, it would be tough if it was football, you know, and, and you were trying to sign 25 kids uh, each, you know. It, but I, I think with it being hoops, absolutely. I, I would think it I, – I would think it would be a help. You know, I, I wouldn't think they'd yeah. have anything. Because they have a good happen. rivalry. It's a fun rivalry. Yeah. Question I don't think recruiting it would be affected, but I do wonder about transfer portal because then you are going yeah. after a little bit smaller of a group. And disposable income as far as your fans. You know, you, if, you know, fan can't, if a fan is not a booster of one school or the other, what you hope is they'll go to support both as best they can, but they play their home games same nights. You know, the way the, the, way the league works out, you wind up playing your, your games always on the same night. So, it's interesting. Let's take a break. When we come back, our, our friend Nick Morrow will join us. He is the athletic director at UNF. He'll talk about this event, uh, that fantastic renovation to the arena, all that and more coming up. This is 10 XL the 2.5 FM. We do thank our friends from the Best Bet, sponsoring us every Monday. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, and our buddy Nick Morrow joins us, the AD at UNF. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. On the, a high right now. Is this a good this weekend? weekend? Oh, this yeah. Is a good weekend? Yeah, yeah. Anytime <laughs> you beat JU Thursday at their place. Yep. Then you have your biggest fundraiser of the year, and you break all the records you can. Right. Then you turn around and play JU again on Saturday for homecoming in front of a best crowd we've had since 2016, and you win again. Yep. And then you come out to golf, and you finish second in a loaded field. You only, you're only behind the, the number one team in the country. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good I'd weekend. I'd say that's, that's a pretty good stretch, well, yeah. Well, well yeah. congratulations on all, and you should yeah. be excited about that. Let's start with the basketball. I'll get to golf in a minute. Um, Matthew Driscoll came on with us last week, and, and they, they had struggled, but he said, listen, we're a different team in February. It's a veteran team. And he was right. What did you make of how well they played? Because we were at the – and, again, with, with Jaguars, we haven't been able to see much local basketball. I thought that wasn't a fluke Thursday. We, we talked about it. it, it was, that was a good basketball team. What do you make of how much better they seem to play this week? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. They are February. You could look back at history of Driscoll. He always goes on these yeah. little runs, right? Yeah. And he always gets the guys right when it, uh, when it really matters in February. And it, that – I think the team you saw this weekend is more of the team than you saw the weeks leading up to that where yeah. they weren't playing so well. And so uh, I expect them to, to be playing that solid defense. They picked that up a notch, started hitting some shots. And, yeah. and before, no, they're a scary team. They've got, they've got experience now. The past couple of years, they were one of the most inexperienced teams in the league. Now we've got one where we're most experienced. So uh, excited to see where we go from here. Nick, as far as men's golf today, like you said, finished in second place behind just Vanderbilt. How does Scott Schroeder do it year in and year out? I know. It's pretty tremendous. <laughs> it I mean. is. And uh, we are so fortunate to keep him here as the head of our uh, golf program, uh, what he's been able to do. And, like, so we've been to the NCAA finals six of the past 11 seasons. There's not many 
programs in the country that can say that right. regardless at any level at any level and uh you know and he's just he's just a great coach he, he really he he's able to identify that talent that maybe not be peaking at this moment nick Rebelchek, one of the best college golfers in the country he wasn't highly recruited he got some calls, but nothing like you know what what Drisco, or what Schroeder saw him in him, and obviously what he's doing now and constantly winning tournaments. He has a chance to win more tournaments individually than all these other stud golfers that have been coming through combined. You know, and that's tremendous. Like so, it's fun to to see what he's done with the program year in and year out. And today was just another example of what they can be. Tell us about the renovated facility. Oh, it's amazing. I can't wait for you guys to see it. We'll see it Thursday. We can't wait. We can't wait either. It's been tremendous. So when I came on air and started talking about this with you guys, the the goal was we wanted Osprey fans to come back this year who had been previous years and just be blown away. Whole new experience that they didn't imagine. I believe we accomplished that goal. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited for you to see it. Our creative content team and what they're putting together from hype videos to in-game production is a whole new level. And uh, the suite's been amazing. The, The feedback we've gotten from donors. And then every time a new person goes out there, you're like, we need to buy tickets here. And so now we're going to be sold out next year. Uh, we could have, we probably, we were very close to selling out this year without anybody even seeing it. We're going to have a waiting list next year. I guarantee that. Um, so now I'm like, okay, where else can we put some premium seating and stuff? Yeah. Cause we actually took our capacity down over the past couple of years, about 700 seats. Uh, so we're a little over 5,000 right now. And we had over 4,400 there the other day. Uh, on Saturday. And so the atmosphere was unreal. It reminded you of that 15, 16 mm-hmm. run years that we had, uh, where we had huge crowds, huge student attendance. We had tailgating going on. All that existed on Saturday again, you know, and so it was really exciting to be on campus. Nick, when you got the job, and we had this conversation before you had it, and we had this conversation after you had it, that what, and I asked you your challenges, and part of it was the renovation of that arena. Part of it was get fundraising where you want it to be. Uh, get your teams competitive the way you want. I would think that's all happening. Now, Now I know there's, uh, you could talk forever about every program, but a few years in now, how does this feel? Is it, is it where you want it to Is it where it should be at this juncture? Um, I, I actually believe we've accomplished more in the past year and a half, yeah. more than I thought we would. Yeah. In the, in the, just you can feel the energy and momentum. Like people are buying into it. They can kind of see that vision. And when you do things like this arena renovation, where we put $3.5 million worth of work, and people are like, okay, well, now let's see it come through. And then they show up and be like, holy cow, you're right. Like, this, yeah. is, this is amazing. And we've had a lot of people, new people come out. And again, so on Saturday, it was also cool. We had about almost 1,300 students there. Right. We sold the second most tickets we ever have in the history of the program. Wow. So we had a lot of community there. For this and that was really exciting too to see that and so if we start getting student attendance back up to close to 2000 which is where are some of our highest combined with what the community is doing we're going to start selling out regular season games which hasn't happened in the past we've had great crowds we haven't sold them out and so i think that's kind of our next step is that we're going you know as we build momentum going into next year and we sell out everything we got from our premium seat and we sell more tickets and then the student engagement is picking up again now that you know we kind of moved past kind of the covid restrictions and so i think we're about to enter a another level as well which is really exciting especially we can keep this winning streak going if i remember correctly tailgating is a controversial thing on the campus of unf it, it was how did you get this it accomplished yeah so that I, that should be yeah i, I mean i i would i'm not going to take credit for it. i was very supportive we wanted student government to take the lead on okay. in, getting it back 
Um, and so last spring, student government did that. Uh, we put some new alcohol and tailgating policies into place. Uh, they were approved by campus, and then tailgating really officially came back last April. Um, but this was our first basketball season with it back. So I went out into the parking lot on Saturday, kind of drove around, and, and sure enough, we had a couple thousand out there probably. And we had fraternities that took their trucks and their cars and, you know, kind of put them in a circle to create their tailgating area and they put their letters up and, and it was, people were having a good time, you wow. know, and, wow. and that was really exciting. I thought they was going to say you went out and tailgated. <laughs> well, um, yeah, there's too many cell phones and video cameras now. Like you got to be real careful. Yeah. Yeah. So I just drove around. We got these nice new UNF branded golf carts that yeah, we use yeah. for recruiting and different things. So I just kind of drove that around and All said, right. hi, and thank you for coming out. And that type of deal it was really cool atmosphere. Very cool. Nick, from your expertise as a athletic director, what's your perspective on NIL and, and what we're seeing at some, some high levels with college football and things like that? Man, it's still messy, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, I like it for our level and what our student-athletes can take advantage of because we've got 60 to 70 student-athletes right now. They're taking advantage of it, and they're taking – and it's, it's what the rule is all about you know is use your social media use your branding use the opportunities that you have and in in go range and make some money off of it if a biology student can start a youtube channel well why couldn't a student athlete do that right and so we've been able to to take advantage of that for our student athletes now when you look at um, what's happening at the next highest level and uh the pay for play or pay to retain or pay to recruit like <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really difficult, and we're hoping that um, there's some guardrails, more guardrails that are put around it. But right now, it's wild, wild west. Um, no one's been penalized for it. Um, but it's also interesting to see how will this develop over the next couple of years. So people are giving a lot of money to these collectives. Collectors are sitting out there, and they're spending millions of dollars for a recruit to come. Well, what if that recruit doesn't pan out? Yeah. Um, or, you know, so they're like, oh, wait, I, I gave 50 grand towards this collector to go buy this recruit, and then the recruit transferred after a year, or that recruit never played. And now are they going to think twice about doing that? Maybe my mind is better spent elsewhere, maybe going back into the athletic department stuff. So I think there's a couple different ways this is going to go, whether there's federal guardrails around it, or people are like, you know, I'm going to pump the brakes on that because this isn't exactly what I envisioned when I was giving to these collectives. Nick, you said 50 to 70 of your athletes are, are able to benefit from this. Do schools at this level have collectives? Do you have how, how does that how does that work? It's funny you say that because we just did a survey to find out how many in our conference are doing it. Okay, and about three out of the fourteen schools have some semblance of it. Okay, um, it doesn't make <clears throat> sense at our level right now. If you really want to make an impact, at UNF athletics, yeah. we're not a fully funded program. Yeah, if we handed out all the scholarships we could right. across all of our nineteen teams, we'd hand out one hundred sixty-one point two scholarships. Last year, we handed out 109.3 scholarships. I got you. Like, you want to make a difference, help us get fully funded. Then help us do the cost of attendance. Then help us do the Alston Award, you know, and those type of things. So there's different ways you can make a bigger difference at our level to put money in the student-athletes' pockets without going through a collective. Well, speaking of that, what's next? What's next on campus? So in the next couple of months, we'll be uh, releasing our, a, you know, our facility master plan. So part of our strategic plan that we released last August talked about us really creating that facility master plan. And so we're very close to finishing up our soccer. We're done with tennis. We're done with arena locker rooms. We're building out a sports performance center now. Uh, we've got some baseball rendering. So we're going to package that all into a document that's going to be our facility master plan and see if we can't do more renovations like we did the arena because it had such an impact with our fan engagement, the student athletes. So you, you better believe the student athletes on Saturday felt the energy in that building. And so while I'm not playing, obviously, and I'm not coaching, as an administration, we can control what that atmosphere is like. 
and we can create an energy that the student athletes feel, and maybe that makes a difference in a, in a win or loss. Um, but in the immediate future, we got Florida Gulf Coast coming in on Thursday yeah. night. Uh, that's, that's the future. Yeah, that's the immediate future right now. That's what we're going to focus on. There's only three weeks left of the basketball regular season before right. the tournament hits. So it's crunch time, and we got Florida Gulf Coast here on, on Thursday night. It's, uh, it's our education night. So any teacher, pre-K through 12, um, can come in free, bring their whole family. You can show up with your, your ID, your teacher's uh, identification, and you can come in for free. Um, and that's on Thursday night. And then we turn around and we play Stetson on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And so two big games. Um, we are one game up right now on Florida Gulf Coast. We win that one. That's two-game separation with five to play. And uh, they won't have the tiebreaker over us then. And so that's a really important game because right now we're tied with JU in the ninth spot, but we've got the tiebreaker on them. And so uh, top ten teams out of the 14 teams make it to the conference tournament. So, And we're two games from being fifth or a game from being out. So yeah. it's really a, a fun time right now. Tell us about some of the other success stories, whether it's an individual or a team that, that you're excited about that, that's made a big difference in the sports uh, calendar for you. We have some incredible student athletes. Um, one of them recently came and spoke to our Osprey Club executive board. Uh, her name is Mahalia White, transfer from California, who has beat stage four cancer, worked through an ACL tear to be an all-conference member for us here at UNF. And she is one of the most positive people I've ever been around. You know, and so that's the kind of thing, like, really reminds you why you do this to be around that kind of those kind of individuals and to see someone really work through adversity to achieve at the highest level. And now she, we get another year back with her too, which is really exciting. Um, you know, it's individuals like that one, and that's one of 300. Like we've got so many good stories and, um, you know, and then even, you know, our good friend, Coach Parenton, you know, right now, um, I'm, baseball season is, is 12 days away, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he is, he's gone through some, some tough, tough times recently. Uh, but, again, another guy that you run into him, you would have no idea no anything's idea. going on. He's got a smile on his face. He's excited about this season. Yeah. We overhauled half, half the roster. Uh, I think we're in position to have a really good season uh, with him, him and his leadership. But, again, another guy that you just can't help but root for and want to be there to support him along the way. Yeah, try to find the day Tim Parent is in a bad mood. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in some secret agents and some investigators and all you want. Try and find TP in a bad mood. And I mean that very sincerely. All right, last thing. We're coming out Thursday. I can't wait. I mean, I'm really excited. Give me a setting. Give me a, what's the setting? A good crowd. I mean, we should be because you're rolling. This is a good time. I can't, I can't wait to see the facility. Yeah. I can't wait to take care, take part of Nick's hospitality after the after our <laughs> show right. in between the game. That's like the most important. But I mean, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> but I'm excited about the the setting. What it's going to feel like. Give fans who we're trying to drag out there for you an overview. Of what to expect. Hey, it's it's. Our fan production is at a level that you don't see it uh, in college athletics at our level at all. You know, so you've got the lights that are going to go dark. You know, the lights that are flash. You got these intro videos that our team is putting together. Just you get pumped up going into the game yourself. Yeah. Um, and you know, we got the brand new floor. You got the donor experience that comes with it. But also now that the students are in session and they're showing up, you got a packed student, uh, you know, um, student section where. We've now actually, that side where the suite is, we forced all the students into one end. Yeah. And so now it's even more packed and loud in that one section. And uh, you combine that with all the community that's coming out. You know, we'll, we're hoping to get, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 there uh, for that Thursday night. No one likes Florida Gulf Coast around here. Yeah, yeah, that's like, right. They've that's always right. been a competitive rival of ours. I was looking at attendance records yeah. over the years, and it's always been JU or Florida Gulf Coast that brought the biggest yeah. crowds. So we're excited about uh, 
the atmosphere that's going to be created there. You, you won't be disappointed. I'm glad you're coming out. I can I can feel your energy. I mean that sincerely. I can feel your energy about all of it. So congratulations on the way all this is going. Look forward to seeing you Thursday. Thanks Thank you very much. much. Appreciate it. Nick Morrow, our buddy who's the AD at uh, UNF. We'll take a break. Scott Schroeder is going to join us just a bit to talk about this event and a whole lot more. So stay with us. We are live here at Sawgrass for the Hate Invitational as Scott Schroeder joins us, UNF Men's Golf. Coach, Scott, congratulations on second place today. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. You in charge of the weather today? Yeah. Uh, I, if I was in charge, I would have had it slightly less breezy. Okay. But the gorgeous, gorgeous sunshine, though, that part I dialed up. I mean, after what we've dealt with the last two days, it couldn't, <laughs> have, couldn't have been a much nicer day, and the guys played really good golf. So, you know, when the tournament ends, you get to leave like this, you're pretty satisfied. How much fun is it to watch your team evolving, and, and especially going up against really tough competition? I think now most people have heard of Gordon Sargent. Yeah, I mean, it's – I guess I invited one too many teams to the field this year. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, that kid's – I mean, I talked to people I talked to last week. It's Jordan Thomas – or Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth. And he won by, what, seven? Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's really impressive. Your team – we just talked to Nick about this. Your team regularly competes with SEC teams and ACC teams. And, and, and Lauren asked a great question. How is that happening? Because typically the schools at your level – don't in most sports. That's just reality. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate, you know, that's about 17 years now, and I've had some guys early on that set a certain standard, and that they, that's the expectation from since then. And, you know, you, you got to stumble into the right guys in recruiting, but you also just make sure they understand, like, that's just the expectation, how you're going to prepare, how you're going to handle yourself, and you have a chip on your shoulder that you want to beat the guy you're not supposed to beat. It's like being, as you know, I'm a Rays fan, it's being that low-budget guy and trying to create that edge that allows them to feel like they can win what kind of a test was this over three days for the players it, it played pretty good it was nice and steady I mean the Saturday the college am was brutal um probably on a normal day you wouldn't even play just because you don't want to have the the carnage of what you're going to see out there um the last two days it really identified all the good players for the most part. If you look down that list of the top seven, eight kids, I mean, all of them are really, really good. You, and you have to control your golf ball. You're not going to fake it out here. And that's the, I think that's the thing that every coach that's come here with a really good team, they usually win or they finish really high, but they know when they leave here if they have a really good team and you find out in a hurry. And I mean, that team that we played today is, wouldn't shock me if they're hosting the whole thing at the end of the year. Scott, what's the most difficult part of your job? Um... Trying to figure out who to recruit, if anything. Um, it's it's a bit of a guessing game because the kids that I want, I usually can't get, um, you know, because they want also, you know, like look at our town here in Jacksonville, there's been lots of good players that I'd like to have recruited. But I found out really early that they had dreams of being the SEC or right. the ACC. Um, so I usually do a good job of not wasting my time on those guys. That's I mean, it's a question I'm not scared to ask a parent really early. I've had a couple Bulls kids on my team, and I've had a couple kids that wanted to get from Bulls, but I knew that they didn't, they didn't want to come play for me. Um, but I think that's one of the most important things is understanding your niche. You know, you don't have a system in golf, but I have a recruiting system of the kids I'm trying to find and the type of character and how they want to compete. All right, I got a dumb question. There's no dumb question, right? This might be a dumb question. But when you're preparing a college golf team, what is practice? Is it is it beating balls? Is it playing rounds? Is it working? I mean, I really don't know that answer. It varies, Frank, from team to team. I mean, I got a group of guys right now. When you have a really good team, you don't have practice very much. Okay. Like, you don't, like, go have ten guys on the tee at the same time. I mean, these guys want to be tour players, you know. So, when you go to the NCAA side of it, you have 20 hours that you can practice. Okay. And 
a round of golf takes four. So I, I really probably make us play more for our, our 20 hour window. Okay. Um, but they all tell me they want to be pros and I just remind them of what that takes yeah. back to that standard I was talking about. Like you, you know, if you're, if you're a college golfer and I bet you, if you asked all these coaches that were here, most of these kids that want to be great, Gordon Sargent, Nick, they're probably spending 25 to 35 hours a week because of the on your, it's no different than the basketball player that's right. in the gym at, 8.30 at night, throwing up an extra 200 shots. Okay. You know, you, you have to be willing to invest into your craft. We spend a little bit of time individually with them um, because you work on what a guy needs to do to get better because that varies from guy to guy. And, and at our place, we're having – like I have a vision for my freshmen to where they can be in two years because I have to have that because i got three juniors right now that have played a lot. So I'm, I'm coaching almost like two teams a little bit right now and trying to get guys ready for when, when these guys are gone and hopefully we can keep it rolling. But you were, but do you, but I'm assuming you do. I mean, again, we live in the nine ten handicap world, not in the plus three world where your guys live. But do you ever say, we're going to go work on putting? Does, oh, yeah. does oh, that happen? You're doing stuff all the time. Yeah. Okay. It's just a matter of which guy yeah. and, wh- and where they stand. And, and you're just making sure that their plan to get better at golf is always intact and in what they're trying to do. You know, you, some guys need a little more mechanical and stuff like that, and some need more, you know, like as Butch Harmon used to always say, like making them feel better about themselves yeah. so they have a little more swagger. You know, yeah. you, you, gotta, you can't fake the swagger in this game. If you got it, then you have a chance to be good. If you don't have it, hopefully somebody can help you find it. Young players seem to have such a deep appreciation for the history of, of this great sport. You guys are, are playing in an event where Jack Nicholas is one here. When, when these other teams, when you meet them as they come in, is there a sense of energy about that, about the great things that have happened out here? I think it's pretty cool. Um, they don't, I don't know if they realize it as much as they probably should. Um, so they, they realize it a little bit more across the street than they do here. Over at TPC, they definitely are, are aware of it. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, these kids, they, they're, they all so freaking good that, and they know where they want to get and, you know, they all are aspiring to be PGA tour players. So they, they pay attention and they, I mean, you hear the stories from like Leonard Thompson was out here this week talking to some of the kids and Bob Dixon was like, so you get some of those guys out here and talking golf and, and obviously all these programs have kid, guys in there that are on tour. So they, they know the ties that are a part of it all. What is the most difficult course that your team will play this season? Hopefully the NCAA championship course because it's really hard. Um, Where is that? That is uh, in Phoenix. So we play Greyhawk. Okay, which, which one? Talon. Talon course. Okay, which they overseed it. it hard gets, as hell. Yeah, even so, that kid that just shot fifteen under, yeah. he's, we can shot even par in one lot there. Yeah, four rounds even par. At Talon. Yep. Yeah. Is one. it always there? It's so this is the fourth year I believe, and then it's going to go to um, California. Um, in Carlsbad area starting, I uh, believe, next year. There, there's a course renovation done by Gil Hans that's going to put it there, which will be more of a neutral site, which hopefully will be good. I threw up a smooth 90, 92, I think, with Talon one time. It's hey, great. Anytime course. you break 100 on a really a smooth difficult course, 90, Maybe it's well, got a smooth 90, I think it was, in Talon. Any cactus. Can yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. If you've never played out there, you can't go get your ball. It's like water. They, they, yeah, so it, it, it's awful. It's well, a hard you course. You can, but some, some things might happen right. to you as you go <laughs> in right. there. You it's can. A, it's a great golf course, though. Did you it's get a, your gadget, by the way, your golf gadget? I got a golf gadget coming, yeah. It hasn't come in yet. It's coming from China. Okay. I thought usually if you order things from Amazon, you race home because it beats you there. I've got a, gaff, I've got a golf gadget coming. I'll just tell you about it, Scott. That I've, you know, I've never got a gadget. There's gadgets everywhere. I've never bought a gadget. 
I bought one get. Okay, so it's supposed to, it's, it's supposed to be a muscle memory swing thing. So I'm sure I'm guessing I'll go from a nine to a plus two, John, somewhere <laughs> thereabouts, because that, that's what the gadget will do. Um, the gadget of a gadget. What now? This tournament's over. So so we have a quick turnaround. We play in Gainesville this weekend. Yeah. So we're, we got a day off tomorrow. We're actually going to practice in Gainesville on Wednesday. Going to come back and go to the FGCU and UNF basketball game Thursday night, and then back down there Friday. Um, we've been preaching it all along. We get this three-week run, three straight tournaments to start the spring in a fast hurry, and then we got to, we got a month off, which is which is nice. So I've been preaching for three weeks now that you got to grind for a three-week stretch, and then you can sleep and do whatever you need to after that to get a little bit yeah. of a break. So it's you know you get you really as you know in all sports you really got to get the players to buy into the process of where things are and. Yeah. You know, we are, are one of our rules for the semester is I wanted them up on weekdays by 7 a.m., which is like, you know, college kids up at 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, that That's mean, like 4 a.m. Yeah. I didn't know they had a 7 a.m. in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and they've done a they've done a wonderful job. I think we've had one one player violate it in four weeks. So can't ask for anything yeah. better than that. And it's, you know, we're just trying to build a culture of being accountable, being a professional, and that's what pros do. Is they get up and get active and, and get on with their day. I like the fact that you part of your priority is getting back for that basketball game. I mean, that's important, isn't it? Yeah, I'm good friends with Coach Driscoll. Yeah. I don't, if I'm in town, I've, in the last since he's been here, I've probably missed less than three games if I'm in town. Yeah, that, that's the important thing. All right, how are the Rays going to be? The Rays going to be any good? Uh, I like the moves. I like the yeah. extensions they're making. They're I paying th- people. Yeah, and the pitching staff's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think uh, – Brandon Lau, it's going to be really interesting to see the new defensive rules. I think that helps yeah. them on defense and, and yeah. how some guys might be able to get some hits. But it's going to be fun. I've, yeah. I've enjoyed watching them uh, put a product on TV I can watch. Are you glad they're going to build a stadium in St. Pete? Uh, I don't live there, so it didn't really matter to me. Put the stadium <laughs> in Tampa. Scott, uh, I'm going to put you in charge yeah. of that. Why I, are they doing it in St. Pete? When I grew up in Clearwater, I would have loved it in yeah, St. Right. Pete. But yeah, I'm with you. It should be in Tampa. You'd probably draw a lot more. They just need to build a stadium that's actually fun to go to. That, well, that's exactly right. Scott Schroeder from UNF. Great job on this. I, I, know, I know what a big deal this is. I know how important it is to John Haight and to you and to Nick. You guys do a great job of this. Congratulations. Thanks for having me on, Frank. All right. Scott Schroeder, the uh, outstanding golf coach from the University of North Florida who does such a terrific job. And I'll tell you, I've said this before, this event is a big deal in the college golf landscape. It's a big deal. I mean, number one, golf in Jacksonville is a big deal. So we kind of take it as a golfer. We take it for granted sometimes. The golf's so good here. Well, people want to come here to play golf. You know I mean? I mean, people want to come to the first coast to play golf, and it's a big deal for these teams to get to come here. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it was really cool driving up and, and seeing all the college vans mm-hmm. out there and, and, and the great teams. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what an event. And, again, it, it certainly sounds like there were two or three, uh, if not more, competitors out there today that, who knows, maybe you'll be part of a future Loser Monday bet. That's right. <laughs> that would be fun. And if things go the way they did this year, I will not be uh, winning on any of those bets. I, I mean, if you come here to, to Sawgrass or you go across the street to the players and you look around – I now think more and more people will want to play college golf if they just see these venues and vistas yeah. that we get. It, it's amazing. And for people who missed our interview with Scott on Friday, we talked all about oh. Caitlin Schroeder, his daughter. She's at Alabama now and, and certainly going to play in Augusta in the spring. And so it, we did – I had p- multiple people text me, you didn't ask Scott about Caitlin. Yeah. We had him on Friday. We did yeah. ask him about Caitlin. She's doing great, and we're excited to follow her career. And by the way, Scott talked about uh, the fact that the uh, NCAA is at Greyhawk, which I didn't know. It's a really hard golf course, good golf course. Well, when, when I was in Phoenix, I also played the TPC out there. Phoenix is great, big, big Phoenix. Let's be clear about one thing. Our TPC is way better. 
I mean, I mean, the reality is, I mean, that if you want to talk about the First Coast, there's a lot of TPC courses out there, including the one at Scottsdale where they play the tournament, the Phoenix Open. This one's way better. So, I mean, I, I mean, you talk to some guy in Peoria, and you say you want to play the, the TPC, well, he's going to tell you one place. He, he, he's, he's not going to say, I want to go to Scottsdale so I can play the TPC there. Yeah, I think the only reason, to, at least to my knowledge, that it's been as famous as it is is because of how they do yeah. the Waste Management Open and, and how 16 yeah. is super raucous. Other than that, I don't think yeah. the course is necessarily known for anything. Yeah. So let's take a break. we got one hour to go. We're live here at Sawgrass. Back in a moment on a Best Bet Monday. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Five-song uh, running that encore started with this one. Oh, was that good. First of all, happy birthday, Gibby. Gibby, happy birthday, bro. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's uh, been a pretty solid yeah. day. Yeah, everything's good. Do you have a birthday weekend? Do anything fun? We did. Uh, we went out. My wife, Nikki, uh, got me a steak dinner last night, so that's yeah. always good. And we, we actually made this strategy because we celebrated last night, birthdays today. So I actually ate half of my dinner last night, and I'm going like to save the rest of it tonight. So I got very. about five or six ounces of a steak to eat later <laughs> tonight. Very strategic birthday. Right. Well, happy birthday, bro. Thank you. Happy birthday, indeed. Um, let's kind of reset it for you a little bit. I got to tell you, Lauren, when, when Hayes went on one of his tirades about how Tom Brady's coming back, I thought he lost his mind. I'm, I'm 128% convinced Tom Brady's not coming back. And I want to just rag and get in Hayes' face and tell him how wrong he was. Yeah, like I, last year. I live for that. <laughs> I live for that. Um, but now he says he's not going to do the broadcast till 24. I'm now fearful. He's, for the first time, I'm thinking, well, why would he come out and say that now? Uh, you know, I mean, I understand if he's taking a year off, but why would he say that now if he wasn't playing? I, I still don't think he's playing because I think it would be hard to save face in my mind after doing it again. But to your point, why in the world would he announce now that he's done? You know what I mean? Uh, it's not about not, not doing Why would he announce it now? Unless you like you said, yeah, I, and again, <laughs> wait until it's March sixth. Yeah, give it another month. I know, uh, and and let's see where where Tom Brady's retirement is. He's going to come back. It's just he can't he can't stop. And this is just another indication that he wants to leave the door open in case he gets the right call. I think it would take the right call. Uh, if if the Forty ers weren't interested, I think that that would really deter him. He's not uh, coming back to quarterback the Panthers. That's your point. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, even he's going to have to believe he can win the Super Bowl. I I don't even know if he would believe it with the Raiders. The Raiders, I think, have enough to where it would be tempting. Uh, but the only place that's, in my opinion, a legitimate destination where Brady could show up and in year one, they would be a Super Bowl favorite is San Francisco. And if the 49ers are content to leave it up to Lance or Purdy, uh, then, then the door is closed. But, I, again, I don't know why if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, I don't know why in the world you would risk that if Tom Brady wants to come. So, again, give it a month. I think when we get to the first week in March, uh, this will be a different conversation, and I think he's going to get the right call and the right opportunity, and he's going to ask for a mea culpa, and, and I hope he gets it. Because, again, in my opinion, who has he harmed? I mean, if Tom Brady changes his mind and elects to come back, who has been yeah, harmed well, in that decision? But that's not the point. The point is people love to 
rag people. People love to criticize. People love to say, how dare you? And I think the how dare you's would be over the moon this time. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying how dare you. I don't care. But I'm saying, you know how people are. People ripped him the last time, but I think he got a little bit of a mulligan because he had been 20 years and he jumped the gun a little bit. But I can't imagine the criticism he would get if he did it again. If you're not sure that you want to retire, why do you announce that you're going to retire? Last year, the circumstances, I think, were a little different. I think his wife at the time was kind of begging him, please retire, be the family man, blah, blah, blah. This year, that's not in there. So I don't know why retire. Why not just say, I haven't made my mind up, and I'll get back to you in March, and I'm going to enjoy the next few weeks. And I certainly understand, to Hayes' point, when we talked about it last last week, uh, I certainly understand that, hey, in the, in, the, in the heat of the moment, you say something, and then once you have time to, to, to think about it, um, you change your mind because, okay, I made the decision too early. I should have thought it through. I understand all that the first time. <laughs> but you would think because he went through that exactly, that, that exact, you would think there's no chance he would risk it again. Again, there was a little bit of embarrassment last time, but he, we got through it. I mean, he said, listen, I'm, I'm retiring. They said, no, nah, I changed my mind. I want one more. Okay, I think people got that. But because he experienced that the one time, I guess, and again, not that I'd be, I don't care. It's not like I'm, I can't wait to rip him. I'm, I, don't, I could care less. I'm probably, I don't rip people very often anyway, so I doubt I would rip him. I'd say, all right, come back and play. But people, because he went through the, it would almost be like, Billy Donovan taking the taking the magic job, then changing his mind and coming back to Florida, which he did, and then on the same thing a year later. The first time he did it, he got criticized, but people said, "Listen, he he, he jumped a gun. He shouldn't have done it. He knew he knew, he knows his heart's in college basketball." But if he'd done it again the next year, or the next, if when he left to take where did he go? He didn't go to the Bulls first. He went to the Magic first. Yeah, no, no, no. The but, Magic he turned down. Right, right. But then I'm he saying, went to the Thunder. But yeah. when he went to the, if he'd have gone to the Thunder and then again done it. He'd have been vilified. So I, I think, I think the ne- I think after Billy Donovan said yes to the Magic and changed his mind, I, I'm pretty convinced he was never again going to say yes to an NBA team until this time he knew. And I still feel like that about Brady. Although today's news gave me a little bit of pause. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not really sure why he wants to wait until 2024. The only thing I can think of is maybe because he doesn't want Greg Olson to get the short end of the stick that he might feel it's, bad for I him. mean, it's not that. That's nice <laughs> of you to consider that. Yeah. It's not at all what Tom Brady is considering. Okay. I, I mean, it, the only way Greg Olson entered into this thought is if Greg Olson <laughs> is giving Tom Brady his entire salary <laughs> so that he can hold on to the job for another year before he loses it. But uh, I, I just – Honestly, I, I think it is he is not ready to commit, which is, again, I think a pretty big sign because he'd already decided to do this. Right. And he's getting paid Handsomely. an astronomical figure Absolutely. to tell me what just happened on a football play. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to think that he's not ready to do that, I, I, think, he, I think he wants to give it some time. And, and I'm sure Fox was like, dude, we don't have a month here for you yeah. to figure that you're, you're either doing this now or – you know, we're going to have to wait until next year. And he was like, okay, wait until next year. So, uh, he'll, you know, he'll be throwing touchdown passes to Kittle and Samuel <laughs> soon enough and dumping it down to McCaffrey, I, I, who goes 27 yeah, for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And San Francisco, <laughs> Breaks about 84 tackles. the, the storyline next year yeah. around Thanksgiving right. is, can the 49ers go 20-0? and 0? The, uh, <laughs> By the way, I still don't think so. But, I, but I've been, I'm enjoying it enough now that if it does happen, 
It really would be pretty funny because Hayes has been saying this, I think, since midseason. I, I don't even mean the end of the season. You had, him in, you had him in San Francisco in October, I think. Yeah, pretty much. For quite some time. Maybe. And I don't – I mean, again, I'm not a 49ers fan, I, but I just, I just think that that's what the tea leaves tell me at this point. So, anyway, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, – to me, that's a man that in five weeks is going to be like, uh-oh, uh-oh. I want to play. And I don't think the fact that the public embarrassment that, yeah. that he'll face, I think he's more than willing to take that on for the 48 hours that he'll have to take that on for uh, because he's going to be so much more fired up about his new opportunity. Can you imagine that if he won an eighth Super Bowl and with a third different franchise? I mean, you're, you're, that's, that's what's going to bring him back. Again, the only thing that's going to stop him is if Tom Brady really feels like his skill set is starting to decline. His numbers don't necessarily suggest that. He was third in passing. But if the only thing that would give me uh, any pause on this at all is if Tom Brady – but he hasn't said that. He's been asked about his reasons for retiring. You haven't heard anything like – I saw some things creep up late in the year that sort of tell me that – you know, my, you know, my physical skills are diminishing. You're not hearing that. So I think there's a good chance he comes back. I, I don't think so. I think he's just going to enjoy every now and again a cheeseburger and maybe a Bud Light on the weekend and, and relax. But maybe he just wanted a quick cash grab because I don't know if y'all saw this, but the sand from the beach where Tom Brady did his retirement video, someone went there and collected sand, and it's now being auctioned off for over $100,000. <laughs> By the way, let me just say this. And since you know you guys are good friends, I'll give it to you for eighty-five. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> By the way, let me just say this. Um, you made, Lauren just made a great point. I'd like to make you know twenty-five, thirty million playing quarterback for a year, but a cheeseburger and Bud Light's a pretty good alternative. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, okay. That, that, Especially that's when a, you've denied that's yourself. A tough, of that's a tough all call that there. For that's a tough call years. there. But he doesn't care. That's the thing. <laughs> that's what makes him Tom Brady. Like he's not waiting to have all that stuff. Like. He probably will stick to that regiment even in retirement. And, and, again, I think it's a big reason. He's just, he's just wired differently. He's probably, frankly, clinically insane in, in a lot of the things that he does. But that's part of that is what makes him such a great football player. Yeah, I think I agree. He's, he's wired completely differently. I think we're all kind of overthinking it. I think the news today of, of Tom Brady saying, I'm not going to do that until 2024, I just think that's, that's his choice. He's going to get – whenever well, he had the first conversation with them about going into the booth, I think he probably said, yes, you can put the, the agreement out there, you can put how much I'm right. making out there, all that stuff, but you, I'm not, you're not going to tell me when I start in the booth. Well, I'm going to decide that. I, I don't, I, I'm standing my ground. I don't think he's playing. I don't think he would have done this again. If there's any chance he was going to play again, so I don't. I'll. I'll, I'll that's what I've said all along, and I'll stand by it. I'm just saying today gave me a little bit of pause that he's going to do that. When, when do you think we'll know about the carousel? Does everything have to wait till the league year, March 14th? Can anything? I mean, are we waiting? I mean, because trades can happen. Oh, you're talking about for like Aaron Rodgers, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rodgers and they Carr can and, agree to it. It can't be consummated until the start of the new league year, but. Yeah. I mean, if the it, Packers, could, it could come out that sure, yeah. if, if the Packers agreed to trade Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas, right. they could announce that agreement today, but it won't be official until March 15th or whenever the new league year. Starts. I can't imagine a team trades for Derek Carr with the contract that he has and how much money is owed to him. What, what are the numbers? It's like, like 40 million. Yeah. Per, for like three years. What's the cap hit of the Raiders if they cut him? They can cut him and, and they There's would be some dead money. Yeah. Though. It's not. 
crazy. I, I mean, so they could certainly release him, and it will be interesting to see if clubs want to wait and see because they can get a, a friendlier deal. The problem is, like we've talked about, there's so many teams that need a quarterback, and Carr will be perceived as, you know, he's not great, but he's pretty good. And there are desperate clubs that will probably say, you know what, we'll take it on yeah. because we're, our jobs are at stake and we've got nothing, and he's certainly better than nothing. So my guess is they're, the Raiders will end up with two or three teams that are willing to take on the contract. But you look at that contract. Lauren and I were looking at it, I think, on Friday. And you look at that contract, and it makes you really glad to have Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Yeah, I, and, I, and I do think, as is, is, is we watch all this, it is fascinating, and I know I say this so many times this, this offseason, of how many quarterbacks and how many open jobs – possibly could change this year it's really fascinating how many how many jobs could change this year I mean how I mean how many teams will have new quarterbacks how many guys are out there it's just a it's a it's almost like the the portal right it's just amazing to me that we we went through we did this the other day a couple of days ago there's well do we get to five six seven quarterbacks I think we said there was at max eight that yeah. would feel great about their situation yeah yeah which means 75% of the teams that play this sport right. do not feel great about and, their situation. And about 12 or 13, well, not that many, 8 to 10, have no idea who the guy's going to be. We have no idea. Maybe they do. We have no idea who their quarterback's going to be. So I, we never got to this the other day. I want to do this before we go to break. What is going to happen with Kyle Trask? What, what, what's Because I agree with what Pete Prisco said the other day. I don't get the sense the Bucks are giving him a chance. I know you said give him a chance and then tank if it, if it fails. But – it's hard to – if there's one jewel at the top of the draft, it's hard for one team to say, all right, we'll just take it and we'll be the one to get him. It doesn't usually work out that way. So what does happen with Trask? Do they do, – do, does he get to compete in camp? Do they go get Derek Carr and no? What do you think is going to happen in Tampa? I, I think the Bucks are going to try to get an established veteran and Trask won't really get a crack <laughs> at it. Um, so that's what I think they'll do. But I, I do wonder how successful they'll be with it Tampa just doesn't look like a destination right now and I don't think any of these quarterbacks that know that they're at best pretty good you know mediocre or pretty good you don't want to follow that guy the guy that just left you don't want to follow Tom Brady who is two years removed from winning a Super That's Bowl a really good point. and finished third in passing yards in a down year this year they have no offensive line their weapons are, are aging and injured uh, it's I, I think the coaching staff leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, it's just, to me, it's it's not a place that a quarterback that has some say in where he's going to go is, is going to want. So I'm sure Tampa's perspective, coaching in front office is, let's go get Garoppolo. Let's go get Carr. Let's, you know, our plan C with Tannehill, if, if you know, depending on what the Titans do. I just don't think it's going to work. I, I think Tampa Bay is circling the drain. That's why I think they'd be better off to play Trask and hope you catch lightning in a bottle and he's better than what you think. If he's not, you have a tough year. And, and yeah, maybe you don't get Caleb Williams. Maybe you do. Uh, but there's going to be – I mean, maybe you have the second pick and you right. get Drake May and your problems are probably solved. Are you, are you marginally interested – I mean, I am – just to know what Trask is because he's a Florida guy and he was so good that last year. Maybe it's another team, and I'd like to see. I just, I'm just curious what he is. We played this game with Anthony Richardson versus Stetson Bennett or Anthony Richardson versus Jordan Travis, 
Anthony Richardson versus Kyle Trask. Who would you rather have as your NFL starting quarterback? It's a great question. Because I think for me it would be Trask I, because I've seen him be super accurate in the past. You know, that's a, I don't know the answer. If you ask me, if, if I had to guess which one would I rather have as, a, as an NFL quarterback, I would probably roll the dice with Richardson only because the potential is there that he's Cam Newton and great. I think my guess is that Trask has a ceiling, even if he could be a starter. So I'd probably say Richardson, but I hear you. It's a great question. I just don't know. I even have an idea of what I think it's going to be like when Richardson plays. I just don't know how good he'll be. I, I'm, I'm so curious about Trask. He never got a chance until the guy got hurt. Then he was great as a college player. He doesn't have a big arm, but it's, but it's good enough to play in today's NFL. It's a pretty good arm. He's got a pretty good arm. He's a big guy. I just I, it, Because he's so buried on a team that had the greatest quarter. Remember, the day he got there, this team, not the day, but the year he got there, this team inherited the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport, and that's all that's been there. And Blaine Gabbert would make sense as a better backup than Trask because he's played in the event that you were trying to win a Super Bowl and your guy got hurt for a couple games. So I understand all that. But I'm just wondering what the plan is. What, what, what's going to happen to this guy that almost beat Alabama for Florida, a legendary Alabama team, three years ago? Yeah, Trask was a brilliant collegiate player. It just seems like if he was going to make it in the NFL, there would be more buzz coming out of Tampa. I hear you. I mean, I hear you. you know, we get to see all these Jaguar practices. It's the same thing there. And there's never been any buzz from Tampa's reporters about, oh, boy, when Kyle Trask finally gets his chance when Brady is no longer here, what well, the Tampa Bay may be in, yeah. you know, great shape to pass the torch from Brady to Trask. There's none of that. And, you know, again, the fact that Blaine Gabbert – really hasn't had to fend off any challenge from Trask. I mean, yeah, he's experienced, but, right. but he's not any good. So if Trask was, in Tampa's mind, what they thought they were drafting, I can't imagine he wouldn't have been above Gabbard. Yeah, you would feel so, – your, your points are good. When you would feel if a guy's turning heads in practice, anything, anything, even if a team wants to trade him, they'll create that belief. And there's been none of that, has there? Yeah, and I mean, Since the day he got there. Yeah, and so I, I would <clears> – <throat> I'm with you. I would gamble on Richardson more than Trask because my guess is Trask probably isn't going to work out in the league if he hasn't really done much to stir up a lot of excitement in Tampa's camp in two years. By the way, when you talk about the Bucks, how obviously won the Super Bowl, but then certainly going downhill, at least it appears from now, the Rams 100% downhill after winning the Super Bowl. It makes what the Chiefs have built so impressive and what the Eagles have rebuilt so impressive. Great point. Take the Eagles right. are just getting started. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's right. what I think, too. Really scary. Yeah. But what's happening in Philadelphia? Because their peak is going to be three or four years from now, potentially. Yeah, I think they're just getting started. But I think the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. So, I mean, I think that you could see this Super Bowl again to that point. We'll take a break. Let's talk some hoops after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the program. Glad you're with us. Oh, what a concert it was. I'm ready for another one. He needs to come here. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I told people before, when he did a concert here at that old Coliseum, right before they tore it down, that had been the best Springsteen show I had seen until this one. This one now trumped that one. So this is the uh, this this was a better – that was awfully good, but this was a, this awfully good show in Orlando. Um, you guys watch the Gators against Kentucky? Yeah. What's your thought? Overview from watching the game. Tough team. Uh, you know, Florida, I, again, I, it's a tough loss, uh, but they battled, and it's tough to talk about moral victories, but uh, Rupp Arena is one where I think Florida's basketball program can take 
a moral victory out of. And uh, even though this isn't the Kentucky of, of, you know, 2013 in terms of a national title contender, they're playing really well. Uh, they've certainly got one of the best players in the country, and Castleton dominated him. Really did. I mean, it was shocking. And, and so it was a huge night for Colin Castleton and his pro prospects. Um, and, I, again, I thought, I thought Florida battled, and, and I was, you know, I, I was encouraged by what I saw. But, you know, it's disappointing to get that close to have, you know, a three-point, have the ball down three and get such a terrible shot off late um, because if they had won uh, coming off the Tennessee win, you know, now you're talking about a team that's on the right side of the bubble. Yeah, I mean, the good news is Florida was in it till the end, like you said, and, and it was a huge night from Colin Castleton. And I think Florida, that's the guy. So Florida needs to be in those types of situations to figure out how they're going to be able to win <coughs> in them. I don't know that they've even won many of those close games this season because they don't have that clutch guy, but Castleton is him. He may not be shooting the three, but that's who needs to get the ball. And obviously he creates opportunities where he ends up with three points because he gets fouled and then he's able to make the shot and make the free throw too. I think Todd Golden has done a, a terrific job. And look, the positive sign is Myron Jones made the three before that. I'm not sure that I even expected that earlier this season. The, um, the, if they shock the world Wednesday night and win at Alabama, they'll be in the tournament. Because no that, that'll take them to 14 and 10 and 7 to 4, 7 and 4, and seven games left that'll now feel many of them imminently winnable. So if they win that game, I never thought I'd be saying if they win a game on February 8th, I think they'll be in, but I do. I think if they beat if they beat Alabama, I think they're in. I think they're in. I think they'll be. In. I think Lenardi will have them in. So, so if they get the fourteen and ten and seven and four, I think they're in. If they lose to Alabama, as we most of us expect they will, they are the number three ranked team. That'll take them to thirteen and eleven and six and five. You're still not out. Of, you're still not dead. But then I think the overall record will hurt them, even if they have a good conference record. At that point, I think it would take five and two to get them in the rest of the way. And I'm still not even sure they'd be in it because that'd be 18 and 13 overall. 10 and 8, but 18 and 13. You get it to 19 and 12 and 11 and 7, you're in. So, so 6 and 1 gets it. If they lose to Alabama, it'll take 5 and 2, maybe 6 and 1 to get them in. I think it'll take 6 and 1 because really the only signature, well, Kentucky at home would right. be uh, quad one if Kentucky stays about where they are. If that's not the one. Uh, yeah. If that's not the loss. They, they have to get at Arkansas becomes an absolute must win because uh, that would be quad one. And uh, so I think if they lose to Alabama, they probably – to not need anything in the SEC tournament, Yeah, they probably need a six and one finish. Yeah, I agree with that. Why do I feel like Florida can make a run in the SEC tournament? Oh, they can. They, I, but I, I agree with Hayes. I don't know that it will matter. If uh, I think they could win a couple games. One thing we've learned about them is they can hang around now. They, they, other than Kansas State, they've hung around most games of late, most of their SEC losses. I mean, I think, I think Chris Harry wrote the other day, they're 6-4 and four now. And the I losses wanna, combined are 13, 13 points. Four losses yeah. by thir- 13 points. That means, that means they've been within three or so of every game. This was the biggest one. It was five. And that was with some old, by the way, free throws at the end. You know, so, so realistically – you know they can be in the game. This will be the hardest one because this one's on the road at Alabama. They're, they're really good. But if you somehow find a way to win that one, if not, it'll probably take 6-1, and one, home against Vanderbilt, home against Ole Miss, at Arkansas, home against Kentucky, at Vanderbilt, at Georgia. All winnable games. But there's four in there you absolutely 
cannot lose because the last thing this team right. needs is a bad loss. Yeah, and, and, so, that, and that's right. And yet, to that end, they're all losable games too. Because well, what we've learned about Todd Golden in this in this one um, twenty-three game sample, what it looks like he will be very well coached, very disciplined, very good defensively. Will play hard. Will box out. And they're doing all this without a very good team. I still say it's not a very good team. Castleton, to your point, is a really good college player. And he did dominate Oscar Shibway. I mean, dominated him. Now, Shibway got 15 boards, but that wasn't all Castleton. A lot of times, Kentucky's so big that a lot of times if Castleton goes to block a shot, there's nobody to rebound. Right. There, there, there's, so the putback is going to – the second chance point is going to be very easy if you're a big team against Florida. And so but – I, but I will tell you, um, I do th- – and I don't know if he's going to be able to get guys – but if he can get guys, I do think – I've been saying this. I do think I like how they're going to play. I think they'll play well under him. We'll see if he can get guys. And I don't know if he can get guys. And, and the funny thing is I don't think they're going to be a strong defensive team most years under him. That's not how he goes about winning a basketball game. And so he's, he's had to do it this year. But I wouldn't be – I think if – I think they're actually in a problem if three years from now this is still their identity under Todd Golden. Right. Because this is not what he is billed as. I mean, not again, not to say he doesn't want well, to play strong. Every coach wants to play good defense. But he was billed, and in his essence and in, in his identity is efficient, offensive coach that does find shooters. And he's done a bad job of that in terms of this group, identifying and developing them. Uh, and, they've, and he's done a nice job of adjusting to that. But I think next year's team, and certainly the year after that, I would imagine it's going to be one of the, the well, best offensive efficiency teams in the SEC. Well, there was a time when Florida led the SEC in offensive and defensive efficiency. You know what that, you know what that resulted in? Undefeated. Back-to-back ti- or back-to-back titles. Yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if they did. In 14, I don't know if they did. But the O's, the O's fours, mm-hmm. they were the best defensive team in the league and they're the best offensive team in the I league. Thought they, I think they did it in 14. They did. The, the year they, that they, they led went them both. perfect in they the led SEC, both, I think they? they led in both. Yeah. Okay, but they, but they, certainly did, they certainly did back in the day. So we'll see. I, I, I will say this, and I didn't think he'd get me here. He got me to where I like watching them play. Even though I know they can't throw it in the ocean. I've got, they've gotten, you know what I mean? I've gotten where I like, I like watching them play. We got in – from dinner, probably nine the other night. So went and so so and I watched some of it, and I, I'm like, you know, I kept thinking they may come back and win that game. I I just got watch, watching. I'm watching. They make they, they may come back and win. I'm watching, and I'm thinking, huh, this looks like a game. you know. I mean, didn't you feel that way? I did. I didn't feel like they I were, didn't really feel like they'd. I guess I did. I yeah. never felt like they would win. I didn't either, but I thought but, they might. But I I was constantly impressed with. How they hung in. Yeah, they I kept waiting back. for Kentucky to yeah. go on a twelve to one run yeah. to put it away. And to Florida's credit, they got stronger as the game went on. They just uh, they just you know, can't they, they just, just can't make baskets. Yeah, they just didn't have a guy that could hit a yeah. three to tie the game. Right. You know, late instead they threw up something yeah. that I would. Yeah. It'd be tough to describe <laughs> as a basketball. But you know what's shot. funny about that is as bad as the shot that Marvin Jones went up, Myron Jones went up shooting at the end of the game. He's been pretty good. He's he's been. For a guy that is really limited, you tell he's got about everything out of it. You know, he he is he's, I mean, I mean Lofton has even though he made some, he hadn't done nearly as much as I thought he would do. So so we'll see. Well, the the Gators had been really good as far as uh, minimum. 
and turnovers. Mm-hmm. And Saturday night, that kind of came back to haunt them. And, and obviously, give credit to Kentucky because Kentucky's length. They're able to create those. But that's where if Florida turns the ball over a certain number of times, I think Florida loses the game. It's funny. A bad Kentucky team is better at every position than Florida other than center too deep. You know, I mean, and that's, it's a, I mean even a bad Kentucky team. And I'm sure back in the Bill Curry days, they would say the same thing. They say right. even we have a bad Florida team, a bad Spurrier coach Florida team, is going to beat us thirty-five twenty-four. Mm-hmm. The good one's going to beat us fifty-six three. Right. I mean, and that's how it was. And so, so it's kind of flipped a little bit. All right, let's take a break. Lauren wraps the show after this with news and notes. Stay with us. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show news and notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. All right, gentlemen, we're going to start news and notes with a little bit of college football. I'm sure y'all saw that on The Athletic, Stuart Mandel and Andy Staples documented Jaden Rashada's NIL journey. Four months after his struggles in the Elite 11 finals, Rashada flipped his commitment from Miami to Florida and signed an NIL contract with the Gator Collective. Well, The Athletic obtained that co- that contract, and he was going to be given $13.85 million over four years, starting with a $500,000 payment. How about that? From the, from the Gator Collective? From the Gator Collective. But then they ended up reneging on that. I, I don't know why they did that, yeah. but I know that that's why they because they did that, then he asked for his NIL to be withdrawn. Yeah, and I think there's – and I haven't – I can't wait to see that story. I have not seen it, but I will. I think there's a lot of conversation – and this is how NIL blows up – about who is commissioned to offer and who is not. And, and I think you're going to see when more stories about that come out that uh, School X's collective says we'll do this and School X says, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not doing that. And I think that's probably – I think that's – that's a very broad opinion or a very broad statement of what happened, but I think that's probably what happened. I think in, from reading it that it's got a chance to be a really compelling, unfortunately, for Jaden Rashada, 30 for 30 in like 15 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Because it really seems like, A, he's not that good from this story. Yep. Uh, and B, he just sort of wanted to go play college football at Florida and, and really did feel more connected to Florida than anything else. But his father was so hell-bent on ma- turning this into a lottery that it sort of sullied the whole thing. And, uh, you know, and, and, and again, it's just it's, – it's unfortunate because now he's at Arizona State. My guess is you probably never hear from the kid again. My guess is he probably ends up transferring three times. He's getting nothing to go to Arizona State. Uh, and, and it, it – you know, I, I will say – it was interesting reading the story in the sense that the, col- the Gator Collective protected itself by basically saying, we can cancel this contract at any point for any reason. Oh, uh, So there was really nothing in there to protect Rashada at all. And uh, anyway, so yeah. it's certainly it's, it's going to be the test case, you know, in terms of collectives. And again, I'm, I'm eager to see if the NCAA – looks at it at all I know Florida feels like you know they're totally fine um but uh but the but I kept coming back to what a shame because it 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 reads like Jaden Rashada was overhyped goes to this camp and can't throw it at all because he was so the NIL thing and the money right. he was getting. Because other kids the start, were saying the stuff to him. And, yeah. Like, uh, oh, I bet your backpack's full of cash. Yeah. Things like that. I mean, the, you play this sport from a purity standpoint, particularly at that age. And I think when you introduce 
particularly when like a, a six-year-old now that's, that ends up being a star quarterback, well, the six-year-old now is going to grow up in an NIL world. So they're going to sort of understand, even if they don't particularly are that interested in the money component, but they're going to grow up knowing that's going to be there when they get to the end of high school, that right. they're going to be able to make substantial money as they go into college. I think for kids that, I mean, a year ago, it, it would have been like, what's NIL? I think, I think it was, for some of them, I think it was a really tough adjustment. I know people are going to think that sounds crazy, yeah. but if you're just doing it because you love the sport and now all of a sudden you're you know, this multi-million dollar player, and I'm sure he was getting incredible pressure from his father, uh, it, it really adds up to you. I feel bad for Jaden Rashada from, from having read the story. I, I haven't read it. I'm going to read it. I, I, I'm very intrigued. It's and really Rashada good. didn't Who talk it? in it. Uh, Staples and Mand uh, Stuart and Mandel, Mandel and Andy Staples. Okay. Um, and Rashada didn't talk in it either. And neither did his father. Either yeah. father or son. And uh, Eddie Rojas didn't comment the at the time. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, Gator Collective leader. So there's there's certainly a lot of sides that didn't yeah. weigh in. But again, you can tell Andy Staples and and Stuart Mandel are so well connected. They know what they're doing. Uh, you can you can gather enough to right. it, it to me it. it you know, it's it's tough for Jaden Rashada. Yeah, I walked away re from reading that going, man, I feel bad for Jaden because yeah. this is not at all what NIL was intended to be or to do. Two coaches in the story uh, told The Athletic that they pulled Rashada's scholarship offer due to the feeling they were in a bidding war. Oh, okay. So two anonymous coaches yeah. obviously not going to tell who they are. But because, again, this is all technically not what you're supposed to do as far as use it as an enticement. I saw this stat today, Frank. Florida State is the only team in the country with top 10 players returning at Every skill position on offense, according to Pro Football Focus. Of course, Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, the running back, Jaheim Bell, who is the tight end, he's new, and Johnny Wilson, the wide receiver. I'm telling you, this is this is a year to make hay for the Knowles. You have a playable schedule, tough opener, but a playable schedule after that. And um, you, he found a way to get the good players back. It's a, and that, that doesn't even talk about Jared Verse and all the defensive guys. It's a, it's a good, they, there's been some gnashing of teeth for Florida State ever since uh, – they walked off that field winning a championship against uh, Auburn. I guess they had a good year the next year, but then got blown out in the playoffs. But it's been a tough go ever since then. Uh, the, the waiting might be over for the Knowles for sure. Trent Dilfer said this today, the modern game does not impress me. I love Tom Brady and I love Aaron Rodgers. I love these guys. It's not impressive. You know, it, that, that comes from Bullies uh, of Baltimore, which was a 30 for 30 that Jean and I watched last night. Was it good? Because she's a huge Ravens fan. It was really good. Okay. Uh, it talks a lot about Saragusa, uh, but the de it's, it features more the defense, but uh, it does uh, incorporate Shannon Sharp and Trent Dilfer into the story of, of that Ravens Super Bowl winning team. And I, I think he's right. I mean, again, you know, back then you could reroute receivers. You could certainly hit the quarterback uh, much with much more impunity than you can now. It is a different game. And, and in, in hearing Dilfer say that, because uh, he says it in front of a, a group of fans, it's sort of the way they do it is they brought back about eight figures uh, in a convention area, auditorium, and so they're sort of celebrating with their fans and talking about the season. And uh, I, I, I can it, – it's anyone – Anyone that remembers what football was like 20 years ago, he's not wrong. I mean, again, he's not, he's not criticizing the guys today, but it is, it is a totally different passing game in terms of what these guys were up against 20 years ago. Well, and part of it is 20 years ago or 30 years ago, ever since the early 80s when the passing thing really blew up, you had to, you had to win every 
moment from the pocket. There was nothing to help you. You you might get protected. You you'd have, but there was nothing good happened outside the pocket. Maybe every once in a while, but nothing. Now the game's changed so much that you can make a lot of things happen out of the pocket. You can make it as a runner. You can make it as an RPO. You can, I mean, you, there's naked bootlegs. There, there's there, none of that. Dan Marino didn't have very many plays where he ran a naked, rolled out, and threw a ball to a tight end who was eight yards away at the, at the pylon. If Dan Marino threw a touchdown pass, he sat in the pocket and threw a laser to Mark Clayton in the back of the end zone who beat the cornerback by a step for a 38-yard touchdown. That's how the game was then. There's now way more ways to be effective. That's why, by the way, in today's football, if you don't complete 65%, you're a bad passer. Back in the day, even – I mean in the Marino Elway, Montana days, not, just, not way back when – if you completed 58%, you're pretty good. Star. That's why the game changed. The Jaguars tweeted out a funny video or posted on uh, Instagram of Ray Lewis and Marcus Pollard going at one that. another and then Marshall Manning, yeah. the, the son of one of the Mannings, uh, throwing a really nice spiral. By the way, speaking of the Ravens, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson could be $100 million apart on guaranteed money. Yeah, that was going to be really interesting because he's a dynamic player. You don't get the impression, shy of a tag, that he's going to be there. I, it, and, and I wonder how the tag affects – the relationship, because I think that's where they're headed. It certainly seems like it. Uh, and, again, I don't blame either side, really. I, I understand if you're Lamar Jackson, you're looking at Deshaun Watson's deal. He's in the division. This is a team in Baltimore's division that gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed deal. And I can see Lamar Jackson saying, look, they did it for a guy who's never won them a single game. I've won you a ton of games. I'm, he's like 44 and 16 is a starter. I remember we looked at it before the Jaguars beat him, and it was a remarkable winning percentage as a starting quarterback. He's won an MVP. He performs without a great supporting cast around him at the receiver position. Uh, so I, I get it from Lamar Jackson's point of view. I also get it from the Ravens' point of view. Dude, you haven't been playing in the last two Decembers. You know, in, the, in crunch time, you haven't been available. What are we supposed to do? We're not going to guarantee an entire contract to a player that has missed, I would, I would guess, nine combined games over the last two December and Januarys. Yeah, it's really tough to give someone like that that much guaranteed money. And finally, this is a little bit of a football nerd thing, but I love from Peter King's Football Morning in America. 17 current NFL head coaches got their starts between the Mid-American Conference, lower NCAA levels, and the NAIA. Basically, a little over half of the NFL head coaches did not play D1 football or, or start coaching in D1 football. And really, more than ever now, coaches are popping up to people who never heard of. Brandon Staley and Nick Sirianni and and Zach Taylor, no, the people, the world didn't know those guys before they became head coaches. Now, if Wink Martindale gets a job, the world knew him. You know, you know, but you know what I mean. If if if, if right now there's more people getting getting jobs, that people go, huh, and turn out to be good coaches. So they're, they're not their time. They're getting their time before their time. Yeah, there was also a cool thing in the Peter King thing mm-hmm. where he – so he rides with Sirianni yep. like you were talking about. Like he did with Doug Peterson and five yeah, years so ago. And, yeah, so he's done it. This is, I think, the fifth <laughs> yeah. straight year he's done it. Peterson, I think, was the first. I think he missed one year of COVID. Oh, okay. Be- but, yeah. And so it's interesting because Peterson won. McVay lost. Yep. Then there was another one that won. Oh, Reed. Reed, Reed, Reed won. won. Zach and Taylor then lost. Zach Taylor lost. So He's due to win. So, yeah, it's good news for the Eagles if the Peter King – 
I guess it wouldn't be curse. Right. The, the no, Peter the King omen. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, 56% of states, by the way, rooting for the Eagles. 44% for the Chiefs. Just uh, an interesting tidbit. All right, let's say hello to Rick Ballew. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Below, I'm not beating around the bush. I'm going to get right to it now. The sports world is buzzing, I'm told, about the tap-in birdie on 17. Can you confirm and describe, please? Well, a lot of wind in the face. And, um, you know, I had to check it uh, a couple of times. Uh, Some folks in the gallery were annoyed. It it took me so (laughs) long. It was kind of like Ben Crane uh, standing over the ball. And, uh, yeah, it was 117 yards, went with a gap wedge, really went down and got it. Yep. And just uh, we all watched in amazement. Uh, it was a Sunday pin placement. It landed to the left of the pin and just kept rolling and rolling three feet, five inches. You yeah. know, I had the white smoke with me. I took the long walk up, stood over right. the putt, kneeled down, stood over the putt again, drained it, middle of the cup, birdie. <laughs> Uh, if y'all wanted white smokes, it's a putter. Okay, yes. You guys, you guys want to, uh, for those for yeah. those looking around, like what is he talking about? It was a putter. Yeah. Has Live mm-hmm. Golf offered you fifty million dollars <laughs> to join the tour? No, but if they do, let me tell you something. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make no bones about it. Uh, I, I will take the money. But what a wonderful day! I know you've played in it many, many times, but many I many times. I imagine you, uh, you know, got in late last night after. Yeah. Uh, seeing the boss. I played with Mia today. Uh, Mia O'Brien, yeah. she saw the boss as well last night. But yeah. I, I think the chorus, as always, is in just phenomenal uh, shape. They've, they've made some changes with some bunkers on about eight different holes out there, I- including number one. So you, you, you could notice uh, some of what has happened and some of the changes that they've made. And, uh, hey, you know, the players will be here. Before you know it, it's about a month away, maybe five weeks away. It's pretty incredible. I know you guys are having fun out there. It's it's always great to go to the stadium course. No question. I know you also played Sawgrass to Hate out here too. So we're having a bit. We're actually at the Hate. Today, okay. The what? A, oh yeah, my God! Yeah. That. What, 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 isn't it a gorgeous golf course? Uh, and those kids crush the ball. I, I, I know it. I, <laughs> I play with a young man from uh, by the name of Robbie from UNF on Saturday, who's just three hundred plus. You know, all over the place, and it was so windy on Saturday out there. And, right. and of course, you have 27 holes, and you know we play in the east and the west, and it, it was just a, a, a whistling wind blowing in a lot of different directions. But you know, his iron play and putting. Um, and I was talking to him a little bit. I said, "Is college golf? You know, is it basically like the PGA Tour? Uh, do mistakes get uh, happen often, or is it like?" It is once you get with the big boys, it comes down to who makes putts and who does not make putts. And he was like, bingo, that's what it's all about. Those who putt advance, those who don't, you know, they don't stick around. That's so. how good. That's how good those players are. You're exactly yeah. right. All right, Rick. What's coming up tonight? A little uh, bit of that, I'll bet. Yeah, we got all that uh, coming up. Got a couple of things that uh, I want to hammer out here on this Monday. So uh, should be a lot of fun. And uh, got a Jaguars topic, also something where we'll uh, get away from the Jags, but uh, I think it will uh, hopefully entertain our listeners. So uh, looking forward to it beginning right now. All right, Rick. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you. Rick Ballou goes into the night. That comes up right now, so don't go anywhere. That'll do it for our program. Thanks to the folks at UNF for having us out. Our friend uh, Jamie Shelton and all the best bet folks for always sponsoring us on a Monday as well. We're out of here. Same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby. Happy birthday, Gib. Hope you have a good rest of your birthday, birthday, brother. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. That'll, That'll do it for our program. So long.